This is Norrie Havoc, and you're listening to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. This is Steve Bowtie Bryant here. Back in the 90s, I was a pro wrestling photographer for the South, and I released what might have been one of the original sets of indie trading cards. I ran across some of these original sets. They were up in Randall Fanning's attic all this time. PG-13 rookie card, Ricky Morton, George Weingroff as the Sheep, Chris Champion, Reno Riggins, Billy Montana, Gary Valiant, the Scorpion, the Medic, Rick Reynolds, Jeff Daniels, Mephisto and Dante, Ben Jordan, Steve Neely, Marcus Woodrow, Clinton Charisma, Little Farmer John. If you'd like an opportunity to get these cards, contact me now. You can get them for only $49.99. Contact me at stevebowtiebryant at iCloud.com. Get your set now while supplies last. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one more time to the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Podcast. And as always, I've got my brother from the same father and mother, the Plastic Sheik, Jared Street. What's up, Sheik? How you doing today? Not much, brother. We need to get you a nickname. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of this. I got to come up with something for you. <laughs> I'm just Jimmy the Jimmy the guy. Jimmy the guy. <laughs> I'm Jimmy across the street on the Wolfie show. So I don't know. It's just a lot of words to say, and you know, I don't know. It's something we got to come up with something for you. You're Jared down the street. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, Jared down the street, plastic cheek. You know. Anyway, you've got all the names, but anyway, long story short, that's the nickname Wolfie gave me. It doesn't really roll off the tongue. Let's just say that, you know. But whatever. It doesn't flow great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but he, he that's what. It's funny, yeah, but we'll figure that out along the line. They just got to come naturally, you know, as they force it. Right, don't want to force it. But anyway, man, today, Cheek, we got a heck of a show, dude. I am so stoked about this. First of all, you know, this has been one of the guys that once I announced that this show is happening, everybody's like, oh, man, I can't wait for this one. I can't wait for this one. We have got Eron Hatchet, a.k.a. Nore Havoc, on the show today, man. I'm stoked. Yeah, and I'm sure, I'm sure the listeners, if you've been paying attention, you've heard him. Uh, mentioned several times in past episodes and you know it's going to be exciting you guys very talented uh very talented shoot wrestler so i mean shooter yeah it's it's it's, um gonna be exciting yeah and and he's a legit shooter that's the that's the fun part of it man and you know I, i just am excited to hear his story i know he's got a lot of a lot of story to tell and you know i mean the guy started out with the Jarrett's and ended up a hero killer i mean honestly just had a great career but we'll let him tell his story you know just excited to get to it today, but how, how, what else is going on in wrestling, man? What, what else is going on? Well, I'm sure you've heard by now, and I'm sure all of our listeners have CM Punk fired by AEW. Yeah. For, wow. for cause, for cause, they say. For cause. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, I, let me, 
you know, it was that thing with Jack Perry. I don't know who's writing that. I'm not, I'm not here to take sides. I know, I know punk's not the, um, punk can be a little prickly and, you know, maybe Jack Perry just, you know, didn't like the way that something was handled with him. I don't know. I don't know exactly how it all started, but it was over like using real glass versus fake glass or something like that. The sugar glass. Yeah. Sugar glass. Yeah. Um, which it, you, you know. know what I want to say? One thing I want to say, no matter what you want to say, no matter if, if people don't like Vince McMahon and that's fine. I don't, I don't care if you like Vince McMahon or not. I mean, I, I grew up a WCW guy and right. you know, all that stuff. So, you know, Vince wasn't always my, uh, hero of wrestling but i can't see cm punk doing what he did to tony khan potentially i can't see him doing that to vince mcmahon oh no never would have happened if you would have you would have been gone just like this but the, the wwe has this element of keeping things under wraps and then you find out about it six months later or something mm-hmm. like that you know because it sneaks through the dirt sheets but and again i have never been the biggest cm punk fan i am not what you would say a punk guy i am not but i am a hundred percent not an elite guy i am not a a being the elite i'm not i just i'm not i've never really been a big fan of the young bucks you know i've never i I appreciate kenny omega for what he does but i also feel like some of his spots are a little dangerous i feel like dave Meltzer has him a little overrated though has made him a little overrated i agree because i think there's guys like aj and and seth rollins that are much crisper with their stuff yeah and it it i don't know maybe a little safer i know i know seth rollins went through hurting a lot of people too but yeah the way that i'm worried about this and i we've talked about this off the air before but i'm a little worried that there's nobody that goes against the grain in AEW. I feel like all the big veterans are either quieter and happy to have a job or they are so pro AEW that there's no real dissenting voice. I feel like, you know, and I don't want to say this and but you've always been kind of a guy that can see things sometimes or help me see things sometimes from a different point of view. I don't want to call you a devil's advocate, but what I mean is is like you're like, okay, well, think about it from this perspective, that kind of thing. And I'm worried that AEW without a punk there is gonna lose that. And also I do feel like if there's any time that any of these guys can do something that's safer, do that. Do not do – I mean, because you look at that. Like, Hook and Jack Perry, I assume – you know, I, I don't want to get – I mean, but I would assume they are slotted for something big in the future. And maybe they're wanting to make their name like the older guys with this less – you know, more dangerous stuff before the sugar glass. But I just I just feel like I cannot fault Punk for looking at it from a safer perspective because he's on the other side of where they are now. Right. Yeah. You know, and he's like, man, there's no need to take unneeded risks. And now, again, maybe he didn't handle it right. I think he's probably a little hot-headed. But I got to respect him in the perspective of saying, hey, look, there's no reason to not have this be safe. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you're talking about people who maybe need to be the the leader of the locker room. Maybe somebody like Samoa Joe is that guy. I know maybe. he's a Ring of Honor like right. that, that champion, but I really feel like Samoa Joe could be that kind of guy. Um, yeah, that maybe can that maybe can see the other perspective and not go, you know, but but educate and maybe not get so hot headed with it. But right. if somebody wants to step to him, it's like 
Yeah, that's going to be a bad choice. You know, I do enjoy Samoa Joseph. (laughs) Uh, I always call him that. But anyway, I like Samoa Joe. I have enjoyed his career. I've enjoyed his matches. His matches with Kurt Angle and TNA could be put in a museum. Those were great matches. Do you know that, he's bringing up Kurt Angle, do you know if you want to fault Dave Meltzer's system, do you know he never has rated a Kurt Angle match a five-star match? That's ridiculous oh my gosh i don't even know what to say <laughs> like, to that. you know that, that yeah. just about invalidates his rating system it pretty much does i mean i've always wanted to go back in the archives to see like what you know he rated some of the matches that we loved as kids you know i've never wanted to pay for it but you know I, even back in the 90s i was reading those like pro wrestling.com websites where you could read all the dirt sheet stuff that somebody would report on but and i've always been interested in that stuff but you know i feel like you know so much of the AEW stuff is out there as common knowledge, a lot of the older guys, like, you know, the the veterans are assuming that this stuff is a work. But in this case, who knows what's a work and what's not. The only thing that I would believe when it's not a work sometimes is if they show up in the other company. But in this case, I don't know if he's welcome in WWE either. So, and I don't know if he's needed in WWE. You know, there's so many guys there that are kind of, you know, fill in that spot but i don't know that he's wanted needed welcomed whatever but honestly at this point i could see him maybe going to give a big fu to aew sure i could see that yeah i could see a lot of things in in that respect and i could also just see him going off into the sunset but yeah with that being said you know you look at guys like jericho dustin rhodes jerry lynn dean malenko sting you know, who else are we seeing here? You know, Christopher Daniels, Christian. Christian. I mean, these guys are long tenured veterans and none of them do I see as a dissenting voice. I just see, you know, Jeff is kind of like, probably, like I said, wishes he could be in Jericho's spot, you know, and I just see all these guys being super duper pro AEW because not only are they happy to have a job, it probably pays incredibly well. You I know, they I mean? pay pretty good. I mean, yeah. And I mean, they're, they're kind of at that point, maybe they're not as hot headed as punk was, but I, I do hope that someone back there is being that other side voice from the other, just the devil's advocate voice, because yeah. that's what I think every promotion needs. You got to have two sides to total. That's what's wrong with this country and this world Absolutely. right now is everybody is so split. They can't figure out a way to agree again. You know, it, it, to me, I just would love to see somebody in that locker room being able to say, look, you're wrong in this. Let's do this the right way. And, you know, unfortunately, Tony doesn't have that respect. I don't think I don't know. I'm not there, you know, but I just feel like something he he either needs to grow some testes or he needs to uh, have somebody that backs him up. Now, again, I feel like he has plenty of people that backs him up for his correct opinion. But, you know, even Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon used to have knockdown drag out fights over ideas in stone cold and everybody would fight their ideas because you had this alpha male Vince and you have these other alpha males that want their way and iron sharpens iron. Is that Absolutely. the best way Absolutely. to say it? Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. and if you don't have iron, you become soft. So, you know, to me, I just, I would love to see somebody be that. I hope, let me just say that. I hope, 
that AEW has someone, and maybe you're right. Maybe Samoa Joe's the right one there. That's a good. That's a good one. I didn't think about I did, that. I was thinking of John Moxley as a veteran, but man, I just can't see him being the voice of reason. No, <laughs> no, no. I mean, I mean, what, he, he's what he is. I'm not. I'm not right. Right. He's he's got talent, but I just don't see him being the voice of hey, don't do this. Let's be safer because right. Right. Yeah. He's he's not I mean deathmatch dude, you know, he's not the picture of yeah, do the real glass, man. You'll learn, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean maybe this is where they miss Cody. Maybe this is where they miss Cody. Yeah. Yeah, but, but I maybe also, that's why Cody left too. Yeah, may I that's exactly what I was about to say. Maybe that's why Cody's gone, but who knows, you know. But I don't know. We're we're not gonna be able to fix this one today. I know everybody's been talking about it. You know, I'm glad you brought it up, but I but I don't know. Maybe we just maybe we'll just leave this for another day and see how yeah. it goes. But Absolutely. you know, you're talking about all these guys like Samoa Joe and and Kurt Angle. You know, those guys are known as what they call shooters. Shooter. Well, that kind of leads me into this that we have a shooter on today, as you've there already you go, said. Man. Yeah, so my segue is, is shooters. Shooter. And we're going to the one of the shooters that I know, you know, and I'm, I'm happy that we're going to have him on and I want to hear his story. So I tell you what, why don't we play some commercials and bring Iran Hatchet on? What do you say? That sounds great, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be right back after these messages with Eron Hatchet. Hey guys, this is Wolfie D from PG-13. Check out my podcast, Live and in Color with Wolfie D every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis. We're talking ECW, WCW, WWF, everywhere that I've been. We even have some great guests, some Hall of Famers on the show with us every Monday, Live and in Color with Wolfie D. That's right, it's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, Booty Call and Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah! All right, we are back with more from the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Podcast. And Jared, I told him, didn't I? Didn't I tell him? You told him. I told him. Eron Hatchet Nore Havoc is on the show today. And when I said in the beginning that this guy's done some stuff, I was not lying. You know how I'm going to prove it? I'm going to prove it right now with the man himself. Mr. Nore Havoc, Eron Hatchet, welcome to the show, brother. How you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Of course, man. Glad to have you on. Now, let me ask you this. Is this the first podcast you've ever done? It is. Yes, sir. Ooh, we've got a rookie here. I love it. I no. love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still feel like a rookie, too. So <laughs> <laughs> We're all rookies, man. Anyway, it's good to have you on your very first podcast, and we're so appreciative that it's ours. So we always start with the man himself, Plastic Chic, and his first question of the show kind of sets the tone. Go ahead, Judd. All right. So this is basically just a question that's going to let us get to know you, let the audience get to know you. It's going to know your influences wrestling. Gotcha. In a four or five, four or five guys, you're Mount Rushmore of wrestling who influenced you, who you liked, however it may be. Gotcha. So for, for me, my, my, my Rushmore is I got to start with Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, I was a big Macho Man Randy Savage fan uh, back in the day. Uh, when I when I got to meet him and do some interaction with him, he was he was as advertised. 
he actually talks that way. So that is uh, uh, definitely Randy Poffo when you see him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's going to be my first one on Mount Rushmore. I just, I, as far as having everything that you want as a wrestler, he can wrestle. He has the charisma. He has an interview. So it's definitely him on top for uh, for my first pick, uh, my first choice. My next one is it, so as a smaller guy, you know, the the under six footer. So Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero, man, those guys are just great. What they brought to the table, and especially Ray, because yeah, when he came along, no one was really seeing an under six footer that they could draw you money. They just didn't see it that way. And I think right. he really changed the way you looked at uh, some shorter guys and, and how they were. And Jerry, Jerry loved shorter guys. I mean, he was a smaller guy. He wasn't a tall guy. So he loved smaller guys, but to see him go to New York and, and, and what he did there um, was just, it's just awesome. The way he, he put some of the smaller guys on the map and uh, the way he made us look same with Eddie. Eddie wasn't a very tall guy. He was a big, thick guy, but he wasn't a very tall guy. And I loved his charisma. I, I love what he brought to the entertainment side of it. Uh, he's probably unmatched in that. Uh, and then the last one, I'm going to say Ron Simmons. Oh, and the yeah, reason yeah. why is, yeah, so, so the thing about Ron Simmons for someone like me, because until he went to WWF at the time and they gave him that gimmick that they did, he wasn't you didn't see a lot of black people, a lot of black wrestlers that were just wrestlers. There was right, always right. a gimmick that came with it. But he yeah. wasn't a gimmick. He was Ron Simmons. Right. He became the yeah. first black world heavyweight champion as Ron Simmons, not as Farouk, not as, you know, anything other than what Ron Simmons were. So that was, for people like me, that's big to see that, hey, man, we're regular. We're just like yeah. everybody else. Right. We do this. <laughs> so definitely Ron Simmons is going to be my fourth one that's on the uh, my Mount Rushmore of wrestlers. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That You got some great picks there. And I love the Ron Simmons pick. I mean, the man's a heck of an athlete. Uh, played yeah. football at Florida State. You know, it was a just, he just, he's just a mountain of a man. Um, yeah. Eddie Guerrero, you know, the, the you know, this, the thing I, I sometimes like, I, I, it hurts me about Eddie Guerrero is I don't think he's got the respect he was, he has when he was alive. He's got it more after yeah. his death. I feel That's like, true. Yeah. That's true. Like more people are invested in him after he died. That that ninety seven Halloween Havoc match with him and Rey Mysterio, uh, that's just that's like poetry in motion. Uh, but, yeah. Well, they had so, a series of matches in, yeah, the, in yeah. that year that was just awesome. So yeah, yeah, man, those two guys they they were they were over for me. Yeah, Great they, this, man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, to kind of go off of what you were saying about black wrestlers and gimmicks, you had Kamala, you had like Bobo Brazil, who, you yeah. know, like apparently all black wrestlers had the hardest yeah. heads in the world. So you, yeah. you, you always had the headbutt. <laughs> and I mean, you know, you, they couldn't all be JYD, who literally was the original John Cena in like he only needed five moves or less. Yeah. And, yeah. and man could not wrestle, but I guarantee you he could sell out arenas, you know, and yeah. that's. So JYD's kind of like the uh, the exception to the rule, whereas Ron Simmons was more of like you're all around. He could talk, he could walk, he could do the stuff in the ring. He had charisma. He, you know, other than that horrible early gimmick they gave him in the WWE, I think yeah. he pretty much had great gimmicks. And he was just an I mean Doom man. Who doesn't love Doom? By the way, with yeah, Butch who doesn't Reed? love Doom? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, exactly. you know? I'll tell you a funny story on uh, JYD. So the first time I met him yeah. uh, was with the Jarrett's, and he saw me in the locker room, and he looks at Miss Texas, and he goes, is that your son? 
And he's like, no. <laughs> so, and then, then the next time he was, we were at a, um, it was a municipal auditorium in Nashville, and it was, it was me and this guy, Jim Dotson, who used to be, he used to be the head of security for yeah. WWF back in the day. Yeah. So Jim was actually a guy that I helped train, but it was me and him. I was do, I was a heel. He was a baby, and Yoshi Kwan, Chris Champion, was like the special guest referee. Yeah. We didn't have a gimmick to use. I was going to use a gimmick to try to cheat and didn't have anything. So Scary Sherry was there. And so, man, she and she is just a nice person, man. I think oh, she I'm was awesome. One of the greatest. Seriously. Exactly. Just you meet her, man. She's just so, she's just normal and, you know, inviting when you talk to her. Yeah. But she said, hey, yeah. take this and tape this up like some, like some nuts and it's going to look like some brass nuts. You take it out, you use the gimmick. Yeah. So we go to do the end, and, and Jim Dotson's a big guy. So I go to throw a punch, and his big arm hits my arm. The gimmick flies out of my hand and goes out into the crowd. I'm like, oh no! Oh, so they man. got the gimmick that's based, and, and I'm gonna tell you what it was. It was <laughs> so she had a tampon, and she taped it up like an unused tampon. She taped it up to make it look like brass knucks. I'm like, oh, nobody, you know, nobody's gonna find this in the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> There's no weight to it, you know. There's nothing to yeah, it. Yeah, there's oh, nothing to man. it. Oh, and so man. we got we got to the back, man, and, and Junkyard Dog, who was there, he was kind of booking. He, man, he laid into me. He was like, man, if you're going to use a gimmick, make sure it's real. And I was like, <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. That was always my fear as a manager was losing the gimmick. Because, you know, yeah. constantly I was playing Jerry Rice to the guys, Joe Montana. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was constantly yeah. catching that thing. And, brother, I was so scared. One time, I can't remember who it was, maybe Jason Nesmith, I think, chucked it to me. And he really chucked it. And I had to do, like, a the Lambo leap and grab that thing before <laughs> the chain went. Now, thankfully, it was a chain, you know, so it wouldn't have been that bad but of course it's still bad but you know still yeah man that's that was my biggest nightmare awesome. was that that yeah. me, well, mine, me causing that to happen you know yeah, <laughs> so. mine came true so <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> wow well you started us off with a great story I'm, I'm stoked about the rest of this show so i tell you what let's let's slow the roll on that and let's go okay. all the way back to the very beginning here so okay now, a lot of people know that are listening right now, but some of them may not. But what I want to do is I want to talk about where were you born? Yeah, What high school did you go to? I know you yeah. were a stud in wrestling, but talk a little bit about your high school days and, and where you're from. Well, I'm from I'm from Nashville. Um, so it, and I went to Hillsboro, uh, Hillsboro High School. And, and I was always a, a football and baseball guy up until my freshman year and I dropped baseball and I didn't add amateur wrestling until my sophomore year. Okay. Um, and then the the good thing was that my sophomore year, when I came out, I faced a bunch of seniors and juniors that had been doing it for a long time. So I got a lot of good experience. My yeah. soft, or my, I'm sorry, my junior year when I started and I was, I was not good my first year. And for whatever reason, my senior year, it all came together. My first year I went six and 12 Six yeah. wins, twelve losses, wow. and then the next year uh, I went twenty-seven and two. So it, it, <laughs> it just and yeah. it flipped out, and it was quick, and it just for whatever reason, the second year just clicked to me. Yeah, wow. So, what weight class were you in? So I went one thirty-five, and then okay. my senior year I went one forty. So okay. I, luckily, yeah. I was a guy that didn't. I never cut weight. 
I never yeah. had to cut weight. Sometimes I had to gain weight to get up. Gotcha. So wow. <laughs> I didn't have to do the, the bag or anything like that. Yeah. Jared, you, you wrestled in high school. Tell yeah, I, I was I was nothing special, but I had to do I had to do one of each once. I had to cut weight and jump a jacks in the shower, sweat to death. I run on the bus on the way to the other high school, and then I had to eat like four cheeseburgers and drink a full Gatorade one time before the game. Man. So I've been on both sides of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. yeah. Man, God bless you on having to cut weight because that's, that's, you know, I see guys like that. I kids like, yeah, I can't do that, man. I don't know how you guys do that. And yeah. Spitting in the cup, trying to get that last little ounce right. <laughs> off of you. You know, and Jared, you were wrestling in the upper weights too, the heavier weights. So that even then in high school, those guys are men. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm not yeah. knocking your weight range because those no, are the, no, no, no. Those the wiry, the tough yeah. ones. You know, those are the kids you can't ever pin down because their shoulders never, you know, stop moving. But yeah. anyway, yeah, I knew y'all had that connection there. But anyway, so obviously you're you're you turn into a wrestling star. You you turn into a, a really talented person in that. Sport sport in high school did you go on to state several times i would assume i went to state my senior year i ended up getting third and then after i graduated because when i graduated i was 17 and i actually signed up went to marine corps i graduated and three days later i was going to paris island uh so i went to reserve so i didn't go regular marine uh, marine, uh full-time yeah uh and then after that, I did some, uh, did, which, <laughs> I went to junior nationals. And so somebody convinced me, say, Hey man, take down to your thing. You need to, you need to go into freestyle. I said, you know what, let's do it. And I did it, man. I won a couple of matches and then I got to one guy and I don't know what happened, but I've never seen anybody move that fast. He was behind me. And next thing you know, I'm counting the lights on the, uh, on the ceiling and oh, he tell me that quick. And I go, you know what? I don't know if I want to keep doing this. <laughs> I've, never, I've never been picked up before. So it, it was like, hey, man, this dude just picked me up. So, yeah. 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 That's brutal. Yeah. That's it a is, realization man, right there. <laughs> it is realization. And, and wrestling, you, man, you can be good, but it's usually always someone better than you. It, it can be homeless. Right. And you can, go, you can go undefeated for three years, and then you face somebody that, that just happens to be better than you. That's like the MMA, man. It's UFC and yeah. all that. It's like you always see somebody that you think is the best ever, you know, and, and then they get beat, you know. It's just how it is. Yeah. But One shot, take you out. Yeah. I never thought my man Cormier was going to lose. And then John Jones comes <laughs> along, you know. And then and then I started liking John Jones. And then, I, I mean, well, you know, it's how well, it yeah, is. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> so, so when did you get to, like, start liking professional wrestling? Man, I had always been in professional wrestling. My grandmother, she was from Columbia, Tennessee, and, and we used to go oh, down on the weekends. Yeah. And she'd always have it on. Uh, she'd always have Memphis wrestling on. And then when I got to high school, uh, a buddy of mine, he ended up being my best friend. He, he came to class our freshman year, and he had pictures from the fairgrounds. And I thought that was the coolest thing. I'd, I'd never been to a live wrestling. Yeah. And so he, he took me down. um and a friend of mine, they knew Tracy Smothers, and I went to go talk to Tracy because they had the picture. I went to go get a sign. Yeah. And if if no one, if you are in wrestling and you did not meet Tracy Smothers, you have missed out on a huge opportunity um, right. for one of the yeah. greatest people you're just going to talk to. And Amen. he was, man, he was just so cool. But I was hooked when I went. So the first match I went and saw, and it was Phil Hickerson against Scott Steiner. And I remember Phil Hickerson slammed Scott Steiner. I remember mm. the ring sounded so loud. I was like, man, that had to hurt. 
<laughs> but I was I was so excited to to be there, and I started going to the matches to the fairgrounds with my with, and his name is James. Started going to uh, to the fairgrounds with him. He actually when we when we I wanted to train him, we wanted to be a tag team. It just didn't work out for him that he stayed into it. So gotcha. that's how I you know I was really into wrestling to pro wrestling. That's cool, man. That's cool. That's it's, it's always it's it's so surprising to me always how many times you hear somebody say, you know, my grandmother. I mean, it's just yeah, my, it's mind blowing to me and Jimmy because our grandmother we didn't like wrestling at all. So no, you're not a fan <laughs> at all. But our uncles did. That's the yeah. thank yeah. God for that, you know. So yeah. it, it, we got it some way. We just didn't get <laughs> a natural grandmother route. But you know, oh yeah. Now, do you remember ever watching any? I've to, Shane used to tell me stories about how the Jarrett's used to run in a Quonset hut in Columbia. Did you see any of those shows ever? Or was that before your time? No, yeah, it was before my time. That was okay. before my time. Gotcha. Well, I bring that up because the obvious next step in this one is getting into wrestling. Now, obviously, yep. you're liking wrestling all your life, become a wrestling star in high school, go to the reserves, you know, all that. But then what leads you getting into the actual becoming a pro wrestler? So I, I got in two different ways. Uh, so I actually got the Jared second. Uh, I got to do... There's a group out of Japan called UWF at the time, and they were what's called a work and shoot. So it was a submission wrestling uh, group. Was it the Pancrase style of wrestling? Is that yeah, what it is? It, exactly. It was exactly yeah. that style of wrestling. George Weingroff, so, that kind of thing. Anyway, I'll shut that up. Kind of, no, 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 you're good. So um, Gary Valiant, I actually knew Gary Valiant in high school. He wrestled at Pearl Cone. Another wrestling star, the, yeah. Yeah, man. He was the only one from his school that made it to state. So that's when I met him and kind of got uh, good friends with Hamilton because he would come to Hillsboro to wrestle with us. He wrestled 152, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. But I saw him one day and I asked him what he was doing. He told me he was wrestling. I was like, are you kidding? He goes, yeah, man. He said, hey, there's a guy named Tom Burton. If you want to talk to him uh, and he can kind of get you started. So he got me hooked up with Tom Burton and we started. Originally, we were doing shoot style wrestling and they brought okay. me in to spar with uh uh, Gary's brother. Oh, Billy. Yeah. So yeah. Billy. Yeah. So I, I used to spar with Billy as I was learning. So my amateur background was there, but my submission was not there. So gotcha. I could take Billy down, but it was not a big deal for Billy. He knew how to make me tap in a couple of seconds. So, <laughs> so Billy was good, man. I love Billy. Billy yeah. was a great guy, by the way. So I'm doing that for them. And so Tom is actually showing me things. Um, what we call American style wrestling, which you see uh, here. And I'm also training for submission. Well, in the meantime, a buddy of mine that I work with was the first cousin for J of Jerry Jarrett. Okay. And he said, Hey man, they got a wrestling school. Do you want to go check it out? And yeah. he goes, Hey, I'm going to send you down there and talk to my aunt, which is Christine Jarrett. Oh yeah. Said, yeah. Let me do that. So that's how I met them. So I went down and talked to Christine and she was great. She introduced me to Jeff first and then to Mr. Jarrett, Jerry Jarrett. And I talked to him. He said, "Hey, once you come to the uh, to the Sunday, they had the um, uh, the workout section it was at a gym that was in Hendersonville, Hendersonville, I do believe." Yeah. And so that's how I got started with them. Um, that's awesome. The first session, I showed up, man. I, I had I had like thirty, forty bucks on me, and you had to join the gym, and I only had enough money to join the gym. And I remember mm. joining the gym, and I went to Jerry Jerry and said, listen, Mr. Jerry, I'm sorry. I only got enough money to join the gym. I don't have enough for this first session. And he said, Iran, don't worry about it. Let's just get you in there, and let's see what you can do. I said, okay. 
Yeah. And so the, the first thing we did, uh, and this is really how I got in with the Jared. So the first thing we did, I'm a shooter. Yeah. And so you, you take a bump, you basically take an arm drag and I took an arm drag and, and you know, I hit the mat when I come through and Jerry, Jerry just flips out. He's like, Oh, that's how you do it. And he's just like, this is what I want to see you guys do. So then the next time I have to give an arm drag. Well, my mm. arm drag is a shoot arm drag. I don't, I wasn't <laughs> doing a working arm drag. And it was again, Jason, who is Jerry, Jerry's youngest son. And I gave him on drag and literally threw him across the ring. And I remember Jeff going, well, damn. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't know it worked in arm drag. I just knew a shoot on drag and I threw him. And so it, it, it kind of impressed him. And at the end of the, you know, the session, Jerry, Jerry said, Hey, listen, how about if you would train Jason amateur, I'll train you pro free. I said, well, that's, that's like a good deal. Yeah. So that's how I got yes. with you. That's awesome. Okay. Okay. I, I got to hear this before we get to more of the Jared's because this story is okay. going great. I need to hear your very best Tom Burton impersonation. Oh, you're right. You can't, you can't do that, man. You look trying to hulk out like Hulk Hogan. He actually told me that one day. Don't hulk really? out Hulk Hogan on me like that. <laughs> yeah. So, it's so I, I don't funny. do a real good Tom, but he, you know, he has that scraggly kind of deep voice. Gruff voice. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's so funny. We hear all these interviews and Jared, do you ever feel like it's just a puzzle with all these pieces coming together and you hear like, now we're hearing your side of things. And I just feel like we heard Ben Jordan or crawl or all these different yeah. guys, Shane Morton, all these guys. And we're all finally putting pieces together to where I feel yeah. like I'm, I'm slowly becoming a middle Tennessee expert. So <laughs> anyway, anyway, on to another subject, but long story short, you're with the Jared. So you're training Jason in and you're yep. learning from them in the work. So now exactly. when, it, when it comes down to it, how did you separate the two? You talk about your arm drags a shoot, but how yeah. did you slowly learn? To, and maybe this is too much. And if you don't want to give it all away, but no. whatever, how did you slowly separate the two? It, man, I tell you, it wasn't that hard. You know, a couple of sessions I had it. Um, and, you know, I still had the Jared I was working with and I still had Tom Burton. So Tom and I actually ended up having a falling out, but, but the beginning was great with Tom because Tom actually took me around to get me started, uh, in outlaw shows. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I mean, and the, the camp was in the camp was great because we had good people that came through and talked to stuff. Tom, Tom, uh, Pritchard came through Tom Pritchard. Let me tell you. So Tom Pritchard gave me a compliment to, and to this day, uh, I, I don't think I've ever had a compliment as good as what he said. Okay. And so Tom was a great trainer because at the end of the session, he would always encourage you to, to keep going. He's like, Hey man, this is not a, this is not an easy business. Right. Taking these bumps is, is, is hard. I mean, even running the ropes, you had to learn to get, you had to get a tolerance to hitting the ropes. And so he would have uh, a good, at the end of the session, just a, just a pep talk. And he, he would talk about where he came from and his martial arts background, things like that. And I remember one time he just kind of threw in, he goes, not everybody gets it naturally like Eron. And it, it wasn't oh, one of those man. things mm. that, that made me like, like Popular. got a big hit. It actually like brought a tear to my eye. Wow. Nobody had never said anything like that to me before. So I thought, man, I, I don't think, I still don't think I've ever had a compliment as good as, as when he said that. No, because it was like right time, right place. You probably were needing that, even though it yeah. wasn't like something that, okay, I'm going to quit today. But still, yeah. that small amount of encouragement from somebody like Dr. Tom, dude, I mean, yeah. 
I mean, seriously, that's great. You know, so yeah. did that also, because the way I make that, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes compliments, especially out in the open, end up getting you heat. Did that get you heat with anybody else? Because you, it, it was calm. It did, man. Everybody was cool in the camp. I mean, that's cool. Um, and if you didn't hear, you know, like Kroll. So that's why I first met Kroll and Kroll is one of my best friends. That's why I first met Kroll. Um, and then Glenn, of course, Kane w- was there at the time. Kane was great, by the way. Kane was, but he was funny because he would, like, if you do something with him, he was very, because he, he's such a big guy, he would think that he's hurting you. Right. And so I remember watching this film of, of one of the sessions with me and, and Timmy with Kroll, and he's giving me a, a, a shoulder tackle, and he was so worried that he hurt me. And I'm like, man, I'm all right. <laughs> but <laughs> that type of guy, he was that type of person. But no, there was no animosity at the school or anything like that, man. I mean, everybody enjoyed being there. They just, I think everybody enjoyed just kind of having a piece of that world. Yeah. If, yeah. if that makes sense, you know, we, we weren't in the business, we weren't in the locker room, but having a piece of that world, just being able to take a bump and things like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Man, that's a star-studded class, too. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I love that. So tell us about, like, your first, like, what you call your first match and, like, what promotion but, or whatever that was for. So my first match was in Shelbyville, Tennessee, and it's probably my top two or three matches I've ever had. Um, it was Chris Kearns. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, man, it, it was a great match. And I tell you one thing that, that Tom Burton, so Tom Burton was really the person that, that was, do I say, do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. And he would always say, listen to the person who was the veteran. And, you know, a lot of times back then, the veteran with the heel, the baby face was the, the more green guy. And that was at that case. So I really just had to listen to, to uh, Chris Kern, man. He guided me. He, we had a, a great match. I remember beforehand, he was like, Hey man, a lot of people don't want to take this leg drop. Will you take this leg drop off the top rope? I'm like, yeah, man, this sounds cool. <laughs> so the end of that match, man, I, I mean, it was, uh, it was just, a, like I said, it was one of my top three matches and it was just basically listening for, for the veteran guy to tell me what to do and just following his instruction. That was Chris. So it, it was a good match. That's awesome. That's very cool. Awesome. Yeah. Do you by chance remember anybody else that was on the card that night? Do you remember anybody in the locker room that was well, around? Well, the funny thing is, Tra- that so Tracy Smothers always calls me Shooter. He was there that night. Okay. And so there was somebody that, that knew that I was an amateur wrestler, and they wanted to try to put some hands on me, and they were just playing around. I didn't feel like playing, so sometimes you just got to take somebody down and put them in a hole. And so after that, Tracy started calling me Shooter. <laughs> so I remember he was there. Uh, I think it was the first time I met Wolfie. I don't think I met Jamie yet. I met Wolfie because I don't think they had quite started PG 13 yet. So but was he Wolfie still Airwolf first? Yeah, he was Airwolf then. Yeah, he was Airwolf. Yeah, Airwolf, skinny little kid. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Those pictures crack me. Up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. All right. Now, obviously, you're working in Shelbyville, which, yep. you know, again, the outlaw promotions that, that existed yep. around the Memphis Loop. But. The biggest thing is, is you actually end up becoming a USWA wrestler. Now, talk about that. Yeah. What led you to the USWA? So from that moment to leading you to the USWA, how, how did you get there? So while I was training, Jerry Jarrett always wanted to bring me in. It was, it was me and another guy from um, Kentucky that was coming down the train, and he wanted both of us. But the problem is... He wanted one to be healed, one to be baby face. So he was, he didn't really know how to do it. So he didn't know how to bring me in yet. 
So I didn't come in. And matter of fact, before, I don't think he knew I was wrestling because I was going to the camp for about a month and I had started uh, outlaw shows. I remember going to Jeff and say, hey, man, they don't let you know I started outlaw shows. And I thought he was going to be mad. He was like excited. He's like, man, that's what you need to do. You need to do that and get some experience. So that was great. But how I got with them was uh, I went to Memphis with Wolfie and Jamie one night. And, and so we, and I wasn't on the car. I, I drove them down there. Is and, this the famous story where you make them get in the back of the truck? This, this wasn't this time. It was another time, but yeah, okay. so I made them get in the back. They wanted to smoke weed in my, in my <laughs> truck. And I said, listen, man, you can't have that smell in my truck. I, <laughs> I have my family here sometimes. So, you know, my, my aunt, my, my mother's in it. Just so you can't. So, I and mean, it's like, you know, January. So yeah. it's freezing outside. So I said, y'all got to make a choice. <laughs> so they said, I, so they back, man. They, they, smoked, they put blankets on them and they froze and they come back. I pull over, they come back in. But yeah. And so, and Wolfie, man, Wolfie's funny. So Wolfie always tried to get me to smoke with him. And I'm like, no, but he always did dip. And I was like, hey, man, can I try dip? And he's like, yeah. no, you can't handle this, man. <laughs> but you want me to smoke weed all the time. <laughs> so, yeah. One of them I can buy at the store. The other one I can't. Or maybe out behind yeah. the store, you know. But <laughs> Yeah, he was yeah. like, man, no, I don't, I don't think you want this dip, man. This is a little too much for you. That's But funny. I rolled down with them and I showed up. And it was someone that was supposed to have a tag match with Chris Michaels. And I can't oh. remember who it was. But they didn't show up. And Eddie Martin said, hey, Iran, you got your gear? It's like, yeah, I got my gear. And so uh, that was my first That was my first match uh, in Memphis. With, um, and I want to say it was against, it was me and Chris Michaels, Chris Michaels against the uh, Masters of Terror. Uh, oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Mas- yeah. Yep, yep, that's it. I think I saw that. I think yeah. That. That's and crazy. Man. After, yeah, man. That that so that was my first night, and then that Tuesday, Jerry Jarrett called me and said, "Hey, um, you you ready to get started?" And then that's how that got started. Yeah, that's cool, man. I mean, you worked some great dudes there. I mean, one of them I gotta hear about because I'm a big fan of his. I think we all are in this business. Who who isn't a fan of this guy? And unfortunately, he's passed now. But talk about working with Brian Christopher and just maybe your interactions with him overall. Man, Brian's a guy you're gonna you're gonna have to say Brian is Brian. So right. certain people in the business. I mean, once you get to and he's cool. I mean, he doesn't. He's not. Um, like just starting trouble with you, but every once in a while he could be a little difficult, but Brian was cool. And, yeah. and, yeah. you know, and, and I got a funny story that you probably already know about it and you're probably going to bring it up later, but I'll probably go ahead and say it because Brian was, was kind of, I thought was instrumental in this. And it's the, the altercation between me and PG 13. Bring it up, brother. Bring it up. That was okay. bring yeah. it up. So, all right. So the way it works is, you know, you have these spot shows Thursday and Friday. What you do on Thursday, you're going to do on Friday. And back then, the the the, the locker rooms are separated. You're not in mm-hmm. the same locker room, and mm-hmm. that's that's you know that's how I was back then. Right. So the, the finish was uh, it was me and Wolfie yeah. in a singles match. Jamie goes to interfere. They shoot me out, double clothesline. I duck, get them double, double clothesline. They bail. Well, that's not what happened. They gave me a double clothesline and then they left and just took mm-hmm. the DQ. So mm-hmm. then. I get back to the uh, the locker room and I and I asked Frank uh, Morell said, "Hey, um, Frank, I said, what what happened to the uh, to the finishing?" And he goes, "Man, Jamie said you messed it up." I was like, I didn't mess it up. So, but I just kind of pass it off. So the next night we get in the ring and me and Wolfie go to start and Jamie goes, "Hey, don't f up the spot." 
And I went, mm. what? So it, it kind of put me in an atmosphere, put me in a yeah. mood. Hot. So then I start taking Jay, I mean, Wolfie down the amateur. After yeah. a couple of times, Wolfie's like, hey, this ain't right. It's like, <laughs> man, what, what are you doing? And right. so I remember we kind of rolled to the edge of the mat and I see Jamie. Now, Jamie's the one I want. I just mm-hmm. happened to be in the ring with Wolfie. Right. So Jamie's the one I want. And so I go out to Jamie. And man, we get into it. And we go into the, and it's at like at a school. In the so crowd. we go into the stands and we're shooting. Yeah. And I got a hold. And next thing I know, both locker rooms uh, empty out, including Jeff and Brian. Wow. And so wow. they come up to me. Yeah. <laughs> and so they come up to me. And uh, Adam Marlin goes, Eron, if I see one more shoot move out of you, you're fired. So I instantly get up and stop. Right. So, right. but me and Wolfie go back into the ring and we finish the match. So we didn't talk for a few days. And then we had another singles match the next week and we get into the ring and Wolfie goes, Hey man, what do you want to do? And I go, man, just wrestle. Well, after that, we were cool. We were friends yeah. again. And so we yeah. talked about it and he's like, man, what was up? And I yeah. said, man, I told him, I said, you know, Jamie was being Jamie. Right. And he goes, man, we thought Jeff, put you up to yes. some amateur stuff. And I was like, yes. no, I thought maybe Brian had put you guys up to something. Yeah. So we both for years and we talked about it not too long ago. We both for years thought they, th- he thought that Jay, that uh, Jeff had put something up for me. And, and I thought that Brian had put them up to do something, but really well, it was just me being upset with Jamie. Yeah, and Jamie, I mean, that's just J- Wolfie's cross to bear right there. Gonna, that's what I was going to yeah. say. I was going to say man, Wolfie has, has bared yeah. that cross many times. I, Jamie. Jamie's but, great. Jamie's great. And I'll yeah. say this about Jamie, and I love Jamie to death, and he's probably my, my top one best match was against Jamie. So, Jamie, when you sit down with Jamie, because Jamie is usually on 100 when he comes in. 100. You know, it, he's on 100. 110, yes. But when you sit down one-on-one with Jamie – when I say that he is smart and he is intelligent and he knows the business, he's been in it for a while, and you sit down with, with Jamie like that, it's a new side that you see of him. So yeah. Yeah. I would say people, you know, you, you see the one side of Jamie, but when you sit down one-on-one, you see how smart he is. Totally. And he's honestly a daggone savant about this business. Yeah, but the yeah, problem exactly. is he's not only a savant about what's in the ring. He's about what's the other life, too. He knows yeah, the life. He, he and he you, if you got to think about it, he's Bill Dundee's son. He has been yeah. in the business since he came out of his mom's womb. You know, he's yeah, probably exactly. he's pro- probably forgot more than most people will ever know about this business. And yeah. trust me so I, i'm gonna i'm gonna be wolfy real quick okay so okay uh, hey hey iran <laughs> hey hey iran so I, i'm pretty sure i figured it out but um uh, it, it was it was frank and jeff they were gassing you up in the back right to shoot on me because because they knew i wrestled a little in high school and uh that was what they were doing right they, they gassed you up and told you to, to shoot on me right that's that's, that's what he thought yeah, that's exactly what he's thought. And I'm telling you, anybody who has ever come on our show, whether they have a connection to you or not, that story inadvertently comes up. I bet we've talked about it five <laughs> or six times. We've done 112 episodes, and I guarantee it's come up at least 10 times. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's hilarious. And and he'll bring it up, whether from Frank's perspective or Jeff's perspective, and he has 
kept that in his brain that they basically gassed you up. Now, you explaining the whole story, it makes much more sense. But with that being said, I mean, he's told me stories like y'all ended up in the crowd. Jamie's whacking you in the back of the head with the hubcap. Do you remember any of that? (laughs) No, the hubcap never came in. I didn't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you would have remembered that too. Yeah. No. Anyway, so no Frank, no Jeff gassing you up. It was literally no, something no like you you just it couldn't replace Wolfie with saying him. that. Yeah. yeah, it was literally Jamie saying that. So yeah. it was uh yeah, it was it was it was me hearing that and, and it and it uh it triggered me, I would say. Yeah, that's so a legendary like, story. I didn't mess the spot yeah. up. That wasn't the finish. You you know, you didn't do the finish, you didn't shoot me off the, the, the rope, so Right, right. They took the DQ and and really put you in a bad mood. So let's just go with <laughs> so, that. Yeah. No, that, but no, no. Well, I would have to say one thing on uh, Wolfie's uh, impersonation is you got to call me rerun because they all they always call me rerun. Okay, rerun. Yeah, sorry. Hey, rerun. Yeah, yeah gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I like that rerun, man. Wow. Okay. Is that from the show? <laughs> that what's that's happening? From, so that's for yeah, from what's happening because that's what uh, Jamie would call me all the time. Oh my lord. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, better that than a lot of reason. other things. But yeah, anyway. yeah, Jamie, Jamie. We'll get with Jamie Jamian. Yeah, that's a that's a new statement right there. You know how like Ric Flair says he's Nation when he's out partying and stuff. Yeah, I think Jamie Jamian is is also a whole other. Yeah. It's not necessarily. It can be partying, but it can be also other stuff. So anyway, yeah, yeah. So you're right. I see you. Got, I see two names: Lex Luger and the Big Boss Man. Tell me something yeah. about them. So when with USWA. It, and it was at a great time that I, I went when I was with them because they had to deal with WWF and they were sending guys down. And so being in the locker room, man, it, it's kind of, it's, 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 a, I wouldn't say overwhelming, but you see people that you didn't think you would meet this early on in, in, in doing what you're doing. So the big boss, man, I sat right, right next to him uh, in the locker room and he had been off for a while. I think he had an injury. And he was just coming back and he said, Hey, you know, he was doing this before he went back on the main road and he was trying to make sure I had it back. And I was nobody. And he yeah. looks at me and he goes, Hey man, you mind watch my match? Tell me what you think. And so it was like, dude, are you serious? Like I'm nobody. Yeah. And so I watched this match and we came back and we talked about it. Like, like, man, you have missed a step. And he talked to me the entire night. And he oh, was wow. just like a normal person, man. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think of that. You wouldn't think that he would even talk to you, but right. he's just a normal guy, man. And it was awesome to to just sit there and, and just, I mean, we didn't even talk that much about wrestling. It was just about other stuff, football. Wow. And kind of told me, you know, him getting into it and into the business. And, and yeah, man, it was great. Lex Luger on the other hand, (laughs) (laughs) we sat next to each other in the, now we'll say the cool thing was neither one of them had their own locker room. They they had their own locker room. They were, we were in the big locker room with everybody. Usually it was the two of them. I do believe. And you kind of went to one or the other and the women had one and he would, uh, he just, he literally sat right next to me. And I think the only thing he asked me, because he saw I used tape, which funny is I, I use prefab and Danny Davis used to get onto me. He's like, man, you're a shooter. Why are you re- using prefab? Just tape your hand up. Right. So but right. Lick Luger was like, Hey man, can I get some to tape? And I gave him some tape. He didn't say, thank you. <laughs> he, didn't, right. he didn't acknowledge. 
And we sat there, man, for hours, and he, he never talked to me. But wow. I, did, I, do know, I did notice one thing. He wasn't as big physically as I thought he was going to be. He was just really cut up. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I guess it depends on, you know, what, what time I was seeing him. But he wasn't a, as large as I thought he was going to be when I first saw him. But, yeah, night and day when you – the two when I met those two. Yeah. I've, I've always thought the big boss man seemed like he would be – like. He, he was just a nice guy, and yeah. and I've also and I've also heard that Lex Luger, even from his mouth, that he wasn't very he he wasn't like a people person. Um, no, he wasn't. I mean, he kind of <laughs> he was he let me know that that he was without saying it that he was Lex yeah, Luger right. and I was nobody. Whereas you know, uh, Big Boss Man was much much more of a real person. Uh, right. He was Ray Trailer. He just had that. He was gimmick. Ray Trailer. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Let me ask you this. What year was this? Was this around like 94? This was 93. This was around 93 or so. Yeah. Um, Because when I first started with the Jareds, they didn't know, they didn't know what to do. And and so the, the whole thing with the camp was it started, I think originally as, as really just a money grab for Jeff to make extra money. He was, he was mostly doing the camp. And I think it kind of morphed that they wanted to say, Hey, we can show some guys from the camp to get other people in. Gotcha. So they weren't they weren't really sure what to do m- with me yet, uh, and they didn't do much until one night when when Billy Travis didn't show up. Yeah, um, it, which was he was known to do. We were in Arkansas, and I remember I had to wrestle three times. It was it was me and a Wolfie in the singles. It was me and Miss Texas in a mixed tag, and then <laughs> when Billy didn't show up, and he was working. Um, uh, they were working, let's see, it was Jeff Jarrett and Billy Travis and Angle with Rex King and Steve Dahl. And so we had Papa Shango there that night from WBF. Soul Taker. Said, okay, oh, yeah. Yeah, Soul Taker, yeah. So they said, hey, won't you put him in place of uh, Billy Travis? And he goes, hey, won't you let the kid do it? And he pointed to me, and it kind of made me mad because, one, I had worked twice. Mm-hmm. But, two, he called me a kid, and it kind of irritated me. But I think that kind of got me in. So, because yeah. we ended up having a uh, tag match with those two, and it went pretty well. So that's when they started to do a little bit more with me. But yeah, this was around ninety three, maybe mid ninety three. Okay, because I was thinking, you know, you were talking about Luger kind of not being as big, but he was definitely cut up. I was wondering yeah. if this was maybe around the steroid trial, but I think that was like summer of ninety four, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm yeah. Not sure. Yeah, I wondered if he just sized down a little bit. But also, I do remember him going through that phase of really being more cut up than large. Well, when did he yeah. have that bad wreck? He had a bad wreck, too. I'm not 100% on that. Jared, you're the Jamie. Either. You're the Rogan Jamie of this show. So, what's, <laughs> Anyway, you know, you brought him up earlier, and I got to bring this back up because I, I was always enthralled by this guy. When I would watch Monday Night Raw, I would see – this guy in the crowd as as a as a security guard and he looked yeah. like that on road warrior animal with a backwards kangol cap and a fanny pack and he always had that black like you know what they call what is it they call it now but it's like a uh, compression type shirt on and yeah you know, talk about it, now was this similar to around that time or was this a little before a little after working with jim dawson so Jim Dotson, so Jim Dotson actually came through the camp. Jim Jim Dotson was good friends with Mark, the Undertaker, uh, with uh, the Harris brothers, uh, uh, Primetime Brian Lee. They were all really good good friends. Yeah. And so okay. they came through the uh, they came through the the um, he came through the camp. Actually, came there 
a day I wasn't there. And I think the Harris boys did the camp themselves. So the next week I ended up meeting Jim and I remember telling the Jared, I said, Hey, it's a, this is a pretty big guy. Uh, and I want to take him out and trying to, he needs some experience. You know, he can take the bumps. He does. He just needs some psychology. Right. And so I actually started taking him out and I met him and I started bouncing for him. There used to be a club downtown Nashville called Merbulls. Yeah. And that's where yeah. I, I met uh, Brian Lee. And so the first night I went down there, you know, he said, Hey man, you want to come down? And I said, yeah, let me come down. And it was, it was like an upscale uh, restaurant up top and there was a bar below. And I remember walking in and I see him and he is literally dragging a guy by the foot. And right yeah. behind him is Brian Lee with two guys, one under each arm. And they're taking these guys out and yeah. they take them outside. And I'm like, what in the world? And the first thing Jim goes is, Hey man, you, uh, you want a job? <laughs> You're not wrestling. Like, <laughs> man, this is like a roadhouse. Let me think about it. But yeah, anyway, seriously. Man, Jim Dotson was great. Um, he actually oh. introduced me to the Undertaker. Uh, Undertaker had a birthday. He was in town. And him, Jim, some guys got a got a limo one night. And so Jim goes, hey, man, you want to meet Mark? So I go out to meet Mark. So, hey, how you doing? It was real quick. And so I look inside, and they're in this limo, and it's like three of them. And there's a bunch of girls. And I went, huh, I must be on the B squad. <laughs> so I go back to work and probably six months later, uh, Mark is back in town. Now I don't think he even knows my name and yeah. he's there. And it was like late night, a light, late Sunday. And he's there. And I walked back cause Jim had told me Mark was there. And so I walked past him and he goes, Eron, you still on the B team? And I was like, he knows my name. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> all, yeah. <laughs> no, that was, that was, that was pretty cool, but he was good friends with them. Uh, so I got, I ended up taking him to the Jarrett's and got, got him started. I think his first match was against, um, uh, Spellbinder. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't a great match. I'm sure it wasn't. And, but, and of course he and, and the Harris boys were good friends and he ended up doing the gimmick where he was their cousin. He was Chris Harris. Or so, I mean, he was, uh, Jim Harris. Yeah. And so they, they kind of did that deal, but yeah, man, uh, Jim Dotson, he, he passed away. He was, a a really close friend of mine and, and he, you know, he and I was on the road a lot. He and yeah. I was on the road a lot. So man. And he was on TV more than anybody, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, he was consistently he was every, on TV. every week. Yeah. yeah. He was, okay. he was the Doug Dillinger of the WWF, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was, you know, that was, that was a crazy, crazy gimmick to have there. I didn't also know that he was a wrestler, but it made total sense by the way that yeah. he looked. I mean, he looked like well, a diesel truck, you know? They actually brought him up. So he did a deal with USWA, and he was the cousin of the of the Harris twins. They they brought him up to WBE or WBF at the time. It is mainly because of Mark. You know, so sometimes it's who you know. and But they didn't know what to do with him. He wasn't quite ready yet wrestling. Uh, and I think Mark was the one that came up with the gimmick for him to do security. So he became that on air, which he became the personal security for – uh, Mark and Stone Cold and The Rock when uh, whenever they would do certain events. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Okay. Well, we've kind of reached a point in the career of Eron Hatchet that you took a little break. And yes. we're going we're gonna to call it a break, and that's essentially what it was. I do have a question about this yep. break, okay? okay. And, and I don't not trying to be out of place here, but let me just ask you a question about the break here. So during okay. this break, had you been available, would do you think you would have been in WCW or WWE? 
Well, I'm gonna say this. Uh, so if if the best compliment I've had was from Tom Pritchard, I think the second best was from Jerry Jarrett, and he said um, if he was six feet tall, he'd be a millionaire right now. Okay. So uh, it was it was things that uh, and luckily, man, I will say this with with USWA, you meet a lot of people. And yeah. my time was great. And I don't remember uh, like, I don't remember bad time. I don't remember anybody ever having like just ego issues. So, I mean, even from Brian Lee saying, Hey man, they're doing this thing in Knoxville. Maybe I can bring you on to there. Uh, so it was, it was, there was opportunities for me. If I think of, if I was more patient. Yeah. Well, the reason I ask, yeah, and the reason I ask is because six foot became not a big deal in a couple of years. In like three or four years, six foot was not as big of a deal. You know, I always say this and I'll tell, uh, Wolfie says it too, but I'll I'll tell Wolfie and all of them about the time. PG-13 was about a year too early and I feel like had they been there a year later... I feel like it would have been a different scenario for them. Now, granted, they had that nation of domination run. Nothing wrong with that. You know, good for them. They got, you know, opportunities and all that with ECW, WCW and all that. But the reason being I'm asking that question is because, like I said, you were on the break. And because of that, you know, I just feel like I could have easily seen you at least having a run in WCW because I feel like there was enough guys there that you could have easily, it wasn't necessarily the land of the giants there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. and I just, I could, I, I don't know. I've just got a crazy feeling that I could have seen you doing something there because guys like Dean Malenko. Now I'm not Eron, please. I, I, I'm not in any way saying you're not like Dean Malenko, but I'm also not putting you in that same. And that, but yeah. I, but you know what I'm saying. But I know you, yeah. were, you were highly athletic. You were very trained in the shooting ability. Plus, you also knew how to work. I just would would almost question whether or not you might have had. And knowing Jeff, you know the Harris twins. I mean, I almost feel like there would have been a spot there for you had you know had that happened. So I don't know. That's just a hypothetical. Who knows? <laughs> we may not ever have that answer. But when it comes down to it, I, I just wondered if if you felt like there would have been an opportunity there. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you hope so. You never know. Uh, you know, it's um, and a lot of things I think I did back then ended up being more popular, I think, because in the, the early 90s, it was not popular to wear kick pads. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was one that did that. I took a lot of heat from it, especially from like uh, Buddy Wayne. Oh, Buddy Wayne would just be oh on, my you know, gosh, right? I bet. And yeah. so it was. Now things are, you know, everyone's wearing kick pads now. Yeah, uh, and it's not that I started things. All the guys were way better than me that, that started doing and got more attention for it. But I think that look would have got would have gotten over more. Yeah, um, yeah. So. Yeah, it's one of those. I don't. I think because I, I enjoy my life now, and my wife and my two girls, that uh, I don't look back, question it, yeah, and yeah. question it. So yeah, and that's a that's a great place to be, brother. And I think ninety, I would say ninety nine percent of the pro wrestlers from your era, if they could say, I, I would say that they called what you would say you won. You know what I mean? You got yeah, the wife, yeah. you got the happy life, you got the kids, you got the stable life. You're not out there signing autographs to 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 pay your bills now. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not 
Exactly. You're not broken down. I mean, you may be hurting, maybe, maybe not, but you're probably not hurting as bad. And, and you know, there's a lot of, of upside to that. Now, again, you know, when it comes down to it, it's a woulda, coulda, shoulda type scenario. I just thought I wanted to ask you that because all these names you're dropping about how you were rubbing shoulders with all these guys, I, it just dawned on me that I felt like, you know, that might have been something that could have happened there. Join me, Gene Jackson, for the Jackson Interaction Podcast, where I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling as well as stand-up comedy you can get them anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form but you can find them all at genejacksonpod.com if you're a fan of rock music i'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to check out my podcast it's called the decibel geek podcast we've been doing it for about 10 years now we talk about kiss we talk about ozzy we talk about motley Crue and guns and roses and metallica we talk about all the legends from the 60s and on up to brand new bands that you should be hearing about today that you're not going to hear on the radio it's Decibel Geek. Wherever you find your podcasts, you'll find us there. If you love rock and roll, I can almost guarantee you're going to love my show. Okay. Well, you know, coming out of that and you end up making a return to professional wrestling and yep. and something comes up that a letter changes. It's still the USW, but yep. an A turns into another vowel into an O. Now, oh, yeah. talk about your getting introduced to wrestling again and Tony Fall. Well, so Tony Tony actually helped train me with the Jarrett's. So, right. A lot uh, of cases, the if camp, they weren't there, he would be yeah, there, right? He yeah. would be there. So Tony actually helped uh, train me. And again, I told you, Kroll was there. He got started with me. And so Kroll was, was one of the first people I reached out to. Wolfie was, was probably, because I'd always been in touch with Wolfie. I'd been in touch with Wolfie, but Crawl was the first one to say, hey, man, I'm back. I'm thinking about doing some things. And he was excited for me to be back. In fact, uh, people don't know that Crawl was actually the best man at my wedding. My wife and I had went downtown Nashville, got married, and we've been married for 20 years now. But uh, it was like, man, I him there. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. So That's awesome. He was, he was my best man at my wedding. So That's cool. I called Crawl and, and said, hey, man, I'm ready to get started. And so we started in uh, Springfield uh, when I came back and got started with that. So, killer name here, Nore Havoc. How did you come up with that and how was the idea for the whole thing? So, I was always a, a baby face. Eron Hatchet was always baby face, and right. just you got to change it up sometimes. And so, I came to, to uh, Carl and I said, Listen, this is what I like to do. I said, We're going to bring this guy in. His name is Nore. He's going to, he's going to, mess some things up and and so for a month or so we teased Norway he's sending these guys out and and so finally we get in the ring they're they're jumping on Tony Falk and Eron Hatchet comes in to make the save and he said he's he's tired of this Norway guy just, <laughs> can you can you man, tell us like he said it though can you say say it like Tony would say it I can't do Tony, man. Crawl does a great Tony. I he can't does. do Tony. No, the only thing I can say is Tony, you know, Tony Falk from Paducah, Kentucky. But I can't really do that. I can't do it justice like Crawl can. That's a shoot, But he, he gets in the ring, and he goes, man, I'm tired of hearing about this Norray. And he starts to think, he goes, Norray. You know, that's Eron backwards. And then I hit him with the with the diamond cutter, and that's when mm. Norray was born. So yeah. then they figured out, okay, Norray turned from baby to heel, and then it's just basically Eron backwards. And that was a trip because 
Yeah. I knew you as Nore. That's when I met yep. you. I, I got yep. in the business out there and it, it was Nore Havoc and that's how I knew you. And Shane, Kroll, and all these guys are calling you Ebron. And it's so <laughs> fun. I'm like, hold on. Are they just flipping his name around? And then, yeah, of course, yeah. I learned more about you and I realized, okay, this dude had a whole career before I ever met him. So when it comes down to it, Ebron backwards, Nore, you're the baby face. Now you're the heel. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Did you have like a specific idea? for like you're going to be just this ultra violent killer basically was well, that it was it was going to be the big thing was and it's always been hey we hate tony falk and all the falks and we just want to have all the power so it's always been hey we want the power that we we control everything you know it was the, the and i always make this joke so i always say you know the house that norway built so and I've been in places with AJ Styles and say, you know, I think AJ Styles stole my gimmick, man. The house that AJ yeah. built was the, yeah. and after yeah. for years I think he stole it. We're just funny. Yeah. Everyone says that. Everyone right. says that. But right. it was just a thing of being against everything, you know, with with Tony Falk and then, you know, it, it actually came on to uh to LT because you know, LT's first match, I had his first match, which was great. Um I mean, it's always just been against the Fox, and that's that's how Norey came about, and that's his big thing was that he wanted to have all the power. The funny thing is, so if I go somewhere and they put a belt on me, I would hate it, and I would tell Crow, hey, man, I don't want the belt on me because you guys want me to stay late, and I want to get in and get out. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I just yeah. want to leave early, man. I don't want to right. be last. I want to give me like mid if you can and let me get out of here. Amen. Yeah, your family man. You know, you got a yeah. life. You know, I got a life in a life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's very cool, man. So, you know, talking about having all the power and you, you, you wanted to take over and get rid of Tony Falk and the whole family and stuff. You were doing that with, honestly, in my personal opinion, one of the most underrated legends <laughs> that I've ever been on a show with. And, you know, you were working with Devon Day, too. But at the same time, yeah. you were the man, Tim Renesto in the Hero uh, Killer. Talk about putting that together and talk about working with with Tim. Now, Tim is an old schooler, too. Speedy, tall tree. I mean, he's been around forever. Memphis, you know, well-known family in the Memphis area. You know, the assassins. I mean, everything. But but just talk about getting with Tim and, and forming that crew. So when I when I originally started and I told and and, and Crow was like, Hey, who do you want with you? Actually the, the and I always called him the number one draft choice, which was Devon Day. I said, Man, I gotta have Devon Day. When I first came back, he was the first match I had and I thought it was great. And I was like, I, I want Devon. And then I was like, Man, Tim Ernesto, I mean I always to me, Tim Ernesto was way better than me in getting heat and just what he did. And so I was like, I gotta have Tim with me. And then we had some guys like Slacker Jay that was with us. Um we had some other guys that kind of that kind of came in and went, um, but mainly it was the core of the Hero Killers was me and Devon and Tim. Yeah, Tim was definitely man. If if I needed to go to somebody with some idea what to, how to do a finish, it was Tim that I would go to, and he would give me some advice. And and when when Devon passed, and I, uh, Tim and I started uh, tagging together. The funny thing is I was always jealous of Tim Ernesto because he did things in the ring that I didn't think to do. Yeah. So when yeah. You, that it's just man, when you get into a ring with somebody like that and you you just tell that he's so much better than you as far as psychology and what he's doing and things like that, you just need to be around people like that. 
Yeah, well, you know, his dad, come on. I mean, you know, so Jared, you always hear about, you know, Nick Patrick's dad, Jody Hamilton, right? He's a WCW legend. Everybody talks about him. And he was in the tag team, The Assassins. Well, the other guy... The real two assassins were Jody Hamilton and Tom Renesto. And if you think yeah. about it, those are those are the killers of the OG days. You know, those were the guys that the tag teams that we loved, they feared that tag team. You know what I mean? And so Tim obviously is going to get that. Tim yeah. is like the last person I would have ever messed with because no. it just he just had this air about him, not necessarily like I will kill you. It's more like I could kill you. You know what I mean? Man, does, does that make he's, sense? Had some, he's had some points where he, he has definitely, uh, he's had to shoot on some people. So Anthony Wayne? Like, Anthony Wayne? Yes. And I, and I love Anthony Wayne. Anthony Wayne's cool. Right. He's, I, sure. I love him as a, as a, as a referee. He's great. But, and one night Tim just, he came in and, and he, he told me, man, we were having like a, a little meeting before. And he said, man, I'm tipping in the red. I was like, you just, hey man, you want to just kind of stay in the corner and chill out? And he's like, he always called me Nora. He never, he rarely did he call me Eron, but he's like, Nora, yeah. man, I'm, I'm tipping in the red. So he, uh, he had a, a night that night, man. I, I think, uh, the funny part is, uh, so we were doing tapings and I'm on the microphone and you can't see me. You yeah. hear my voice and I'm saying, yeah. Hey, I told my guys to do this to this. And he, he was tearing this kid up and I had to look at Devon. And I'm on the mic, and I'm saying I gave them full permission to whoop these guys, and I'm look, giving Devon a sign, hey, tag him out. Tag right. him out now before right. he killed this kid. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, Jim has the, he has that in him that he can, he can definitely um, he can do some stuff. Man, well, so I'm going to set up the scenario, and I have nothing against Anthony Wayne, even though he's blocked me on Facebook, but I have nothing against him. <laughs> I think he's a great referee with a great mind for the business. But with that being yeah. said, I've seen the video, the clip, okay? And if yeah. I'm going to set this up, Tim's bouncing around. I know Shane Morton's in there. He's got that long hair. And Tim and they're all kind of brawling around. And then for somehow, yeah. Tim sails on his back. And all of a sudden, yeah. here comes a young, sprightly Anthony Wayne rolling in the ring with a chair and he's looking like he's going to drive the chair down on his neck and do that little like spot to where he's like choking Tim with the chair. Well, Tim is having zero of it. He jumps immediately up and is laying into him. And what's funny is like at first they're kind of Shane's like jumping on him a little bit. Somebody else is jumping on him. And long story short, (laughs) Tim fires back. He's not selling anything anybody else is doing beating the crap out of Anthony Wayne and might have had him in a chokehold, I think. Anyway, all I hear is Kroll saying, hey, somebody get... <laughs> I can't do a good Kroll, but hey, somebody get Tim. He's going crazy in there. You know, <laughs> it's just like... You know, because Kroll always had that ability to kind of control things, so... Well, yeah. the, the funny part was the no-sell. I mean, because when he puts the chair down on him, Tim yeah. immediately bounces up. Uh, like, and... like a shot, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he immediately yeah. bounces up and yeah. And, and, and Crow's like, you know, get Timmy's. I actually go to Timmy and he's not letting go. And I yeah. whispered in his ear. Cause I think, I think at this point, if someone tries to get him off of him, he's going to swing on him. Right. So I go up to him and I grab him and I say, Hey, Tim, it's Iran. That's, yeah. that's good. That's dumb. So eventually he lets him go. 
You because got it. I think if it was anybody else, he probably would have swung on whoever tried to break it up. But he right, was, and you could see and Shane keeping his distance behind him. You know, yeah, and it's funny because Shane has got that long hair, and he's he's punching, and he'll push that hair back and punch and push the hair back. He's really working that hair gimmick, which is fine. He had a great head of hair, <laughs> not knocking that. But it's funny, he's like standing back, and he's like, you can see the the wheels working in Shane's head. Is like, is he really beating the crap out of him, or is he working right now? And then he starts yeah. to see that he is and he goes up on him he's like and then he backs back off it's funny the video is great it's out there i'm not telling you who gave it to me i'm not naming any names but when it comes down to it that is a crazy video and i'm 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 glad i saw it because man that's hilarious yeah, yeah it was uh it was a night man it was that whole night was was very weird uh and just to kind of bring up another night we had that was funny i started to tell you this when i turned when nori came about uh, the funny story about this was, so I got so much heat one time that, you, you know, when you're building for an, in an angle or something like that, that, and you're doing a promo, you need people to hear what you're saying. Yeah. And they hated Nori so much. I'm talking on the mic and you can't hear it because everyone's booing. And this is <laughs> around Christmas time. And I, and I, I said, listen, y'all need to shut up. No one stopped. And I said, listen, if y'all don't shut up, I'm going to tell your kids a secret about Santa Claus. Oh, and Lord. it just sends the people into the atmosphere. <laughs> and so the funny part was me and my wife, when we left that night, so we got in the car and she looks at me, she goes, you went too far tonight. <laughs> so <laughs> I always tell everybody that story, man. But yeah, she's like, yeah, you. You went too far. <laughs> that was that was it. Thank you, honey. I appreciate you telling me that. Yeah, I'm glad to yeah. glad to know because you know that's what we need in our life sometimes. You know what I mean? Is that you person? Have, you so, have to know sometimes that that's it. Don't cross that line. Are you? Yeah, crossing? for sure. Yeah. So okay, you you end up you know you're you're a holder of the TV title of the heavyweight mm-hmm. title. I mean you ha- hold it several yeah. times now, and then you actually end up meeting up with this guy again. Now he's in a new gimmick as Slash, but yeah. you're now working Wolfie D once again. So now you'd worked Wolfie D so many times back in the day. Eron and Wolfie. Now it's Nore and Slash. Talk a little bit about that because I would love to hear if there was any difference at that point since you had worked Man. so. You know, I'm going to tell you this. Here was a good thing about working with us. Once we knew each, we knew each other. So it was, it was really easy. Uh, and the, I tell you, Wolfie actually gave me some advice on being a heel was probably the best advice I ever heard. So Eron Hatchet was a, was a, a, you know, the guy that did moonsaults and flips and, and a lot of spots and things like that. Right. And so when I was heel, you know, I, I, I put a lot of that into it. And he said, Hey man, you're not going to get your heat doing these flips. He's like, you need to be mean. You need to snarl and you need to mess with the crowd. And you're not getting your heat the regular way that you think you're going to get it the way you get over as a baby face. And I remember he gave me the best advice when we started kind of doing that angle. It's like, hey, listen, you need to be mean. Yeah. All the flips, tone the flips down and be mean. And he was absolutely right. And I got more heat when I started doing that. Yeah, We had a good little angle, but I will say this, and I tell him this every time I talk to him, I hate that movie does the Whirly Bird thing. Oh, yeah. It is the most <laughs> god-awful move in all of wrestling. Al it Perez. should be banned. Yeah. Yes, it <laughs> should be banned because you stay in the air for like two seconds and you're spinning around, and I told him, I said, man, I don't want to take that move again. <laughs> but yeah, I tell him, man, it's the worst move in all of wrestling, in the history of wrestling. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's interesting to me there is you're saying this because you're kind of – so, like, what advice are you getting from somebody like a Tim Renesto versus someone like a Wolfie D? Do you, did you see the, any difference, or were you even getting much advice from Tim? Was it more on-the-job training with Tim? What, what do you – I think when I first got with Tim um, – I wouldn't say he didn't know how to kind of like, Hey, do I give him advice? Do I not give him advice? And then I would ask Tim. So Tim would assume that I always knew, you know, what I need to do in certain situations. And I would ask him. And so then he got to the point he was more comfortable. Hey, Hey, Nori, what do you think about doing this? But he never, he never put it out like, Hey man, this is what you need to do. He was like, Hey, what do you think about this? Give me your opinion on this. And then that's how you get their advice. Okay, Which is gotcha. a little bit more direct. That, hey, man, won't you do this? this yeah. Is, and he's not being mean. He's not. He's just like, hey, it makes more sense if you do this as a heel, as a baby face, uh, in that regards. Yeah, because I mean, I could see both men having a, a you know a big impact on, it, especially as far as your respect of carrying a lot of weight. You know, it's like okay, yeah. these two guys, I would listen to whatever they have to say and and, and that kind of stuff. Because honestly, you know, two of the the brighter stars as far as knowing what they're doing in that whole yeah. scene were those two guys. You know what I mean? So I have to bring up one Wolfie D story that. Um, Please. So Wolfie actually brought me down to Alabama to work for uh, Pat, uh, not Pat Tanaka, um, uh, Paul Diamond. Okay. And yeah. so Wolfie gets color one night and it won't stop bleeding. We're down below and it's like a locker room down below. And so it won't stop bleeding. And someone says, hey, I have some super glue. Let's super glue it. So they super glue it and they put a Band-Aid on it. But like 10 minutes later, Wolfie's like, hey, man, I think I got a knot on my head. And I say, yeah, I could feel it through the, the band-aid let me take it off and let me kind of take a look at it when i pull it it pulls the the rips the the cut and oh, literally man. blood shoots out his head like a scary movie now it's a locker room for all these big old tough guys and everybody goes oh and they <laughs> like squinch up like their fist too close to the body because it's literally blood shoot out his head Whoopi goes man what is it what's wrong what's wrong like, and we even kind of like now <laughs> and it got, it got kind of scary because he kept bleeding. I was like, man, we're going to have to take him to the hospital. But we was like, nah, I'm going to be all right. I don't want to go to the hospital. But yeah. it was scary, man. It was it was a little scary. But, yeah, when that blood, when I pulled that bandit off, and it literally shot blood out like a scary movie. That sounds like Tom and Jerry where they, like, step on a garden hose and it keeps building <laughs> up. And so I guess the blood was just pooling under that glue, it sounds it was, like. Exactly. exactly. Wow. Wow, <laughs> man, I love locker room doctors, man. Some of the best you can ever find. I know there's guys that can fix your neck. I know there's guys that can cut and not cut. And there's guys that can fix wounds too. But man, that's interesting. Ah, Lee, I can just see it because it's like almost like what you would say, a horror movie where it's squirting. It was, man. Wow. Go to, just go to the doctor. doctor take care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everything will be good. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it, just like Ben Jordan said on the last, show he you know Eddie gilbert told him he was the smartest man in the world and jared jarrett he said hey kid you got insurance and he's like i sure do because he had a real job and that real job <laughs> gave him insurance, you know so well so eddie gilbert i tell you eddie gilbert he was uh because he was with uswa at the time and he would all well, the first time he talked to me it was a monday so we did tv on the on that um on that saturday and then mondays we'd be in memphis and yeah. so he said, hey, man, I got to tell you something funny. I said, what's up? He goes, man, my mom saw your name advertised for Monday. Of course, they called me Aaron. And she goes, 
hey, who is this Aaron Hatchet? We've got Hatchet in our family. I wonder if we're related. And he goes, <laughs> no, I don't think we're related. <laughs> so whenever I saw Eddie, he would bring that up. That was a oh, story that he man. would always bring up. That's hilarious. Hot stuff, Iran Hatchet. I like it. Yeah. Maybe that was a gimmick there. <laughs> missed man. out on it. I missed out on it. Man. So talk to us a little bit about working Jerry Lynn and Chuck Taylor. So, man, I tell you, the, the good thing about people like Jerry Lynn uh, is you learn you learn things that you thought you knew that you didn't know. Yeah. Uh, and I was always a person. Mm. He, he would say he would say this. Hey, let's work on our foot placement. And so mm. that means. When you when you go over a match nowadays, it, they can be so complicated, and you think that a guy knows what you mean, but you don't, and you're in a wrong spot when you don't need to be. And he would always say, "Hey, all right, let's work on our foot placement of where we're going to be, especially if you got a complicated spot, or if you got more than one person, because you can sit there and you can go over things, and it it doesn't make sense until you physically go through it, and you see guys that go through a routine, but he wants to say, okay." Where are we actually going to be in the ring when we do this? We're doing this right here, but we need to know where we're going to be in relationship to the ropes. If there's a camera, where we're going to be in relationship to the camera. And so that's one of the things that, that Jerry Lynn kind of taught me. Chuck Taylor was just like this little kid, man. Him and Ricochet, both were with USWA, and they were just yeah. little kids. I think they were just, at that point in their, their careers, they were just happy to be in the business. They were two right. cool kids. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I've heard people have a little bit of heat with Chuck and I'm not a hundred percent sure on the full story on that, but some people yeah. loved loved Ricochet and some people did not like Chuck Taylor. Let's just say that. So I don't Chuck know. The- was, he was a little bit more, um, man, I, I don't know how to put it. Uh, Ricochet was more personable and he was just a kid and Chuck was more, you know, like I remember one time he did this photo shoot with uh, Lindsay Lohan. He came back and, and the way he told a story is like, I'm Chuck, you know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, but I mean, I didn't have any problems with him. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. I, I, you know, it's funny. They're both working AEW now. So maybe Iran would have ended up in AEW. Maybe who knows? Right. <laughs> well, Ricochet, you know, he's with, he's with WWE. Right. So he's, right. I mean, yeah. Jerry Lynn. But I'm yeah, so Chuck sorry. Being Jerry with Lynn. AEW, yeah. 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 But anyway, my whole point on that was, is that I'm still thinking you would have been somewhere. So we're good (laughs) anyway. So working with, you know, the USWO, obviously that's the, you know, in my opinion, one of the premier, if you weren't working for Burt and, you know, I didn't see a lot of Burt in your history there, but you know, if you weren't working for Burt, you wanted to be working for Tony as far as, you know, in Nashville. I actually did work for, for, uh, Burt a little bit. Uh, he would call me and say, Hey man, uh, I'm in a pinch. Can you come, uh, can you come help me out a little bit? And I'll say this, uh, I've had good relationship with, uh, I, I don't think I've had a bad relationship with any booker or uh, promoter. And I wouldn't say anything different with, uh, with being with Bert. Bert paid me well. You know, if I, uh, if I had to come in and stand in for something that he needed, uh, I remember one time I was going to, uh, I want to say Indiana and it was me and Bully Douglas against Chris Harris and, and um, James Storm. And say, hey, man, can you help me out? I was like, yeah, man, I'm here. Let me, let's do it. That's awesome. So, yeah. I never had any issues with Burt. Burt was always great. I, I can't say anything bad about any promoter. Uh, they've never treated me bad. That's cool. Well, the, it, the whole point of that 
little statement I made, and I'm glad you you filled that in there actually because that's a good that's a good question. I, I didn't even think I needed to ask, and I'm glad I did. But it, leading into working in Millersville at, at Saw, and and yeah. personally, you know, I, I I think the world of Tony Falk when it comes down to it, though, my favorite guy I ever worked for as a whole is T.J. Weatherby, and yeah. working at Millersville at Saw, you started even straight into like a TV title angle with a guy named Damian Adams, and you worked yeah. a long feud with him. Now, talk a little bit about going out to Millersville and and working out there with those guys. I like Millersville. It was I like the setting of it. Um, I like the way the, the it was set up as far as um, the production value. You can tell that Crawl really wanted to do so, and and TJ and TJ was great by the way. If anybody that that hadn't had any time with TJ, but um, I love the way it was set up. It was a, a little sweat box, a, but it was awesome. It was it, it could be a little sweat box, especially in the back. <laughs> yeah, in the for back. sure. It's kind of cramped in the back, but as far yeah. as having a doing a TV platform, it had a good little setup there. Um, so I enjoyed my time uh, going to Millersville. I really like Millersville, and mainly because you got to like the people you're around. I liked everybody that I was around. Yeah, it was a great crew, and like I said, I loved working for TJ. I I came in working for Porter though, so it was all up after that. You know, I always joke <laughs> and not knocking Porter as a whole. He gave me my chance, but I think Porter thought we were working USWA TV, and and nobody had to get paid. But anyway, we'll we'll get off of that and go on to something else. But anyway, working at Saw, I, I always had a blast out there. You know, TJ gave me a lot of opportunities and actually paid me to do it, which was surprising. You know, yeah. And and just a good guy, and it was always such a good little crowd that it was kind of like a a little mini Columbia out there. You know what I mean? They, yeah. You know, Columbia, I think, is one of the last towns in the world that'll believe in pro wrestling and believe. And I don't mean it in the like classic sense. I mean they believe that it yeah. is a great thing. And you know, I, I love I loved when I when I had a chance to work in Columbia. It was so easy being a heel manager. It was so yeah easy just getting heat there. But when it came down to it, you you know, saw as well was so easy to get heat out there they just hated you from the rip if they didn't like the cut of your jib as you walked down the aisle they would i mean they would boo anybody but anyway all right talk to us about working a heavyweight title feud against former guests of the show jeff daniels man jeff is cool i knew jeff from back in the 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 uswa days and when i saw him i hadn't seen him for a while and so i remember the first thing he goes like hey man i got this spot i want to do I think you could, you're the only one who could do it. We need to do this spot. And it was basically us doing uh, a double crossbody, but we both are literally horizontal and we push off each other. Yeah. And we had, uh, man, we had fun with our, with, with our, our little, uh, our little angle. We had a great time with it. Um, Jeff has always been that, that type of guy though, that it's, it's, you know, it's easy to get along with them. Uh, yeah. he, he'll do anything I ask him to do. If I, if I wanted to do like a, um, you know, flippily flop type of spot. He was he was good to do with. Uh, d- yeah, Jeff was one of those guys before I even got with USWA, and I remember seeing him on TV, Russell. So meeting him and getting with him in person was great. Uh, I enjoyed that time with him, and we probably had a. I think we did an angle for about six months, so yeah. we got to work oh, together nice. quite a bit. Yeah, 
That was a great feud. I, I, I've heard many stories about that feud, about how how well that went. And it, it's yeah, Jeff to me seems like one of those guys that if you can't get along with Jeff, sometimes it might be your fault. <laughs> and yeah. again, I know Jeff comes with his own circumstances. He believes in himself, and there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes, you know, maybe disagreements happen. But when it comes down to it, I think Jeff's been always great to me. I met him the very first time I met him at was at a benefit. I can't remember if it was a Charming Charles benefit or if it was another benefit that I worked. I managed Plunky and Dyron and and some guys. But long story short, Jeff, my always thing is if I can make the guy laugh, I knew I could talk to him more. But at the same time, if I didn't make him laugh, sometimes I just would leave him alone because I didn't want to bug him. But, you know, I made Jeff laugh and it was cool from then on. It was just, you know, it seemed like, okay, well, he's at least going to put up with my ignorant ways, you know. <laughs> Jeff was a good guy. He was never, you know, standoffish or anything like that even before no. I met him. He always yeah. was very approachable. Yeah. And you know, one of the classic feuds in the in the Smoky Mountain is the spot where they pull off the Rock and Roll Express are in the ring, and there's a spot where the Heavenly Bodies have a sheet, and it's a sheet over Arn Anderson, and they, I think they're Bobby Eaton's there with them, and they pull the sheet off of Arn, and Arn's standing there, and the Rock and Roll's like, "Look who we got! We've never liked each other ever, but we've got Arn Anderson." Well, you know yeah. who was in the ring that had just wrestled the Rock and Roll Express? Jeff Daniels. So (laughs) isn't that cool? I mean, Jeff and Jeff, if you look at his, the only, you know, two of the guys that I really compare their resumes to, well, three, I should say would be, you know, especially the the guys that really ran through those early territories were Jeff Daniels and Tommy Hagee. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dante yeah. And, and Jeff have a very similar resume and, and it's not something they're sitting there telling you. I can pull it up and show you, I can show you an image of their, of who they've worked. I mean, Tommy yep. Hagee and, and Jeff Daniels have a great resume. Ben Jordan as well. Ben's got a great yep. resume. You, you just look at their past match history, and it's just amazing. And I, I just love seeing that whenever you're going down this list and be like, man, man, oh, my gosh. And I think he, when we started talking to Jeff, Jeff was the guy that you, you didn't even need to interview him. He just was telling the stories. And I think yeah. he says, well, I started out when working with Bob Sweetan. And I'm like, holy <laughs> crap, man. <laughs> That's how I knew that was going to be a good interview because Jeff yeah. just was like, anytime anybody brings up somebody's name like Bob Sweetan, are you kidding me? That's, yeah, it's going to be a good interview after that. So, but anyway. No, man, I love Jeff. I love Jeff. Yeah. And Dominique. Dominique was good to me, too. Oh, she great was, manager. She, yeah. took a, she, took that, she took a chopping block for me. And it was actually Jeff's idea. It's like, hey, man, why don't you hit the with this chopper block? Are you sure? Like, Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> you must have not seen my very early arm drags. I'm kind of stiff, kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, yeah, that's awesome, man. So this is kind of leading up to really you and I starting to get to know one another. Yeah. And we're really working together. We had worked together some here and there. But this is when we all kind of come together. And in my personal 
personal favorite time was working for NWA Saw. And yeah. one of the best moments of my wrestling time was I got to do color commentary for a Hero Killers match against, I believe it was Hammerjack and Kevin Weatherby. It could have been just yeah. the Weatherbys. I can't remember. But Hot Rod didn't make it that night. Mm-hmm. And Pearl comes to me. He was like, hey, would you like to do color commentary with Jack? I don't have anything else for you tonight. Do you want to do that? I'm like, uh, yeah, I definitely want to do that. Th- that was a lifelong wish of mine to be doing color commentary. And that's why I do a podcast, I guess. But anyway, that was just so fun. And <laughs> I walked up to Tim. I, I walked up to you and Tim after that. And I would always go to you first because I felt like you had a little bit of a warmer greeting with you. <laughs> and I said, man, <laughs> I just called y'all's match. I hope I did you right. And you were like, oh, I'm sure you did fine. And Tim's just like, why are you talking to me? Again, not in a bad way, but it was like, uh, kid, I don't care about your stupid commentary. Like, I, I wondered if my match was good or or we just told a story. That's my important part. But yeah, you brought up names like the Weatherbees, and, and we brought yeah. up TJ. Obviously, you worked two of the better tag teams in that crew of Team IOU and the Weatherbees. Yeah. What I, I would love to hear your thoughts on both teams, actually. See, I had a – well, I'm – I guess I'm kind of lucky. I've never had not a good time with anybody, so I enjoyed it. The Weatherbees were great, man. I mean, they're just two kids that, that want to go out and they want to have fun. They're willing to do things. That's, that's one of the hardest things about wrestling is guys that, that right. want to just walk and talk. And, and But these guys, hey, we want to put something into it. I yeah. knew it was the same way. They wanted to do do some 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 good spots. and Now, they did rub Tim the wrong way. I will say this. Oh, wow. So, oh, yeah. So they, they actually came up to us the first time we worked and they started telling us the spot. Oh. And Tim oh. Told them, that's not that's not how this works. <laughs> oh, man. And I think at the time, Tim had like 30 plus years in. I had 20 years. And I'm like, I didn't have a problem with it. I wasn't, I didn't feel disrespected. I just felt there was two guys coming up and say, hey, excited. These are the spots we want to do. Tim yeah. did not like it. He and was not entertaining goes, that. Yeah. No. It was, <laughs> and he, he literally goes, man, I'm not taking anything. And I was like, all right, I will take, I will take all of the gimmick. I'll take the, you know, we, we got the heat. And when they did the comeback, I'll take the big bumps and all that stuff. At the end of the match, the finish was, I think I was shooting Carrie off into the ropes. And, and Tim had the solve that he used, you know, and he waxed him in the back. Oh, and I mean, when I say he waxed him, he whacked him so hard. When we get to the back, I say, hey, man, let me see your back and see how bad it is. There's little saw teeth marks, like the shape of the saw, like you got the flat part, the yeah. straight part, oh, and yeah. he comes around to the saw, and it's like, bro, we got to put this on it before this gets infected. Man, this, yeah. is, this is bad. But Tim yeah. was hot. Yeah. I didn't have a problem with it. So, yeah. But I enjoy working those guys, both IOU and the Worthabies, man. They, they were they would, whatever I wanted to do, they would do. And then they just had their ideas of what they want to do. So I didn't have an issue with it, but yeah, the weather beats were great kids, man. Them kids were, they, they wanted to go and they had fun. So, man, you know, Kevin and Cody could do anything you wanted them to in the ring. They were so talented. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. I think Kevin 
really took the business seriously. Cody, I think, was so talented, he really didn't need to take it seriously. And, you know, if he would have committed to the business like Kevin did, I I could easily see them still, you know, them being one of the great tag teams, honestly, because, you know, and I'm not knocking other tag teams. I'm just saying they were just a great brother. You could just tell they were brothers and they were a real tag team. And like I said, Cody could jump out of the building. Kevin could too, but Kevin also could put the the, the A's and the B's together on the mat yeah. a little more, you know? And yeah. and then the team IOU, like I've said this to Jared, it's one of the most original ideas. A boy and his dog, and then it kind of... Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. evolved. But at that time, it was very much a boy and his dog. And Iggy and I had, I'd worked with Kevin Weatherby. I'd worked with Iggy. I'd worked with Kerry Offal from the start at, with at Porter's. And then most of those guys stage a big walkout and I'm stuck there with some other guys. But again, <laughs> you know, two of the tag teams in that area that I thought were highly underrated. I also love Plunky and Drew, you know, as the untouchables. Oh, but they Plunky's were, my so. guy. Yeah, that's my guy. Yeah, yeah, great tag teams. And really, I mean, if you look at those three tag teams right there alone, that's a very promising look for what Nashville, you know, wrestling could have held. And, you know, so I'm sure being where you and Tim at that point were the well-oiled team and you guys were the the deep in the in the career veterans i'm sure you could at least respect the fact that okay maybe maybe if we pass the torch tonight the, it would at least go to somebody worthwhile you know yes. what i mean exactly no yeah no, I, I've, I've never had a problem but i didn't come up that way where i ever had a problem with uh with passing that or doing a job or right. it, it's a business and, and, and you gotta look at it that way i never felt my ego never got into it. I remember uh, yeah. when I, I, at one point there's a guy, Dan Demand, that was coming up and they wanted to do some stuff with him. And I said, okay, uh, I want to put the title on him. And this is, you know, this was actually in uh, Madison. And we did a deal that said, hey, we want to put on him. I said, we're going to do this, but we're going to do this a little level up. We're going to almost do this like a pay-per-view. We're yeah. not going to have a singles match for like four months. Oh, and we're wow. gonna and we had a big long angle that long and it was it was when you know we had Hot Rod that was a baby face and we turned him heel where he we paid him off to attack Dan and it culminated in one night where I put Dan over for the title but it was like a big huge night there it's probably one of the biggest nights they've had there and it yeah. just was a it, it was a great match if you, you can look that up on YouTube the crowd was into it. That's awesome. But I said, hey man, let's let's do it like a pay per view. Let's build up to this. Let's not do it like a standard outlaw match, and then we're we're facing each other every single week. Let's let's build it up to this, and I made it into something. That's very cool storytelling at its best, yeah. right there. Yeah. Well, I like so guys coming up. Yeah, yeah. They're you know lots of fun, man. I you know if you look at you know unfortunately we've lost Josephus now, but if you yeah. looked at it, there was a time there where the Nashville wrestling scene not only had some amazing veterans in it, but it also had some very up and coming, promising young talent. That to me, I was kind of right in the middle because I was more yeah. of the age of the veterans, but yeah. I was closer in time in the business to the young guys. So yeah, it was no, like, yeah. I, I kind of crossed two there, but I also was a manager. So it wasn't like I was getting in the ring, but what allowed me to do was I got to work with a lot of those guys in some capacity, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of fun, a lot of fun. So tell us about uh, your last match. My last match, uh, it was, well, I actually did some managing last year and once this year. 
Yeah, but I mean, talking about in the ring. In the ring. In the ring. Yeah, I know you're going to be a great manager. I know it. It's awesome. (laughs) Well, I don't know, man. It's rough. I'll tell you about that. uh, I have to tell you. So my last match, um, I want to say it was Lewisburg or Shelby. No, I think it was Lewisburg. Okay. And it was, yeah, I honestly don't remember who, because I wrestled twice. It was a, it was a deal in the, I can't remember how it worked. You know, I think it was Bubba Morton. I want to say it was okay. Bubba Morton, the last match. And then um, we had a deal where we walked out, where we, we did, we jumped on the baby faces at the end. And the funny thing was, so it was one baby face and I can't remember who it was, but I remember uh, Rick Reynolds punched him and I was holding <laughs> the guy and he throws his head back and he hits me square in the nose with his head. And I remember uh, Rick going, oh, this ain't going to be good. Because Rick thinks I'm about to jump in the guy. <laughs> oh, and I man. almost did. And I took a breath. And I, and I grabbed us a kid. You cannot throw your head back when someone's holding you like that. Yeah. And so I calmed down. I didn't I didn't give him a receipt. He knew. He, and he braced for it, too. He knew he had a receipt coming. Yeah. But but Rick Reynolds was hilarious. He was like, oh, this ain't going to be good. <laughs> but that was my last match, man. I, and I, I didn't do anything uh, since then. I was pretty much, you know, family guy. I wanted to be home and things like that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I get it. Sometimes they just they just happen, and you didn't realize it was your last match, and it was like I could have made a bigger deal of that, but it wasn't. Yeah. I guess I guess that's just how it is, and that's sometimes okay. I think you know you seem like you're in a good mindset to where things are. You're like okay, I, hey hey, but I do love the idea of you managing, and I know you're working you know some with with Kroll yeah. whenever he's not getting buildings stolen from him and stuff. But you uh, know, yeah. talk about are you enjoying managing man i'm gonna tell you so the funny thing is last year Crow called me and he goes hey man what do you think about nori havoc coming back and i said man i can't get in that ring and take no bumps and he goes oh no i don't want you to wrestle i want you to manage I said, yeah okay i could do that so we yeah. did a deal it was going to be kahagas kahagas and yeah. it ended up being somebody else he couldn't make it and we were going against um chase stevens yeah. And so the funny thing is I hadn't taken a bump in years, man. I remember Chase was on the outside and I went to, to, to throw him into the turnbuckle, getting some heat. And I gave him the office to, to reverse it. And I took the bump. And the, so later that night I told my wife, cause my daughters are so excited to see me wrestle. And I told my wife, I said, listen, I got to tell my daughters, I can't do this again. I did that one bump and it about killed me, man. <laughs> man, stuff is hard. <laughs> well, I always listened to Gary Valiant when he told me, kid, don't let me hit you. Don't let me hit you because it's over once I hit you. And I understand. I understand it from two perspectives. One, the work and two, the yeah. shoot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're right, Gary. I don't want you to punch me because it would be over in both Man, ways. I'll say this about, about Gary Valley. No one sells like him. He is going to sell he's his great. butt out for you. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, managing to me, I loved it. I, I miss it. My back is not going to allow me to do it anymore. Yeah. Unfortunately, I had a back surgery that had to shave some bone away. It's it's not as stable as it should be. But long story short, I miss it so much. I, I, I wasn't yeah. in the best spots when I last saw you. I was not doing good in my life. And so I, I, I had to leave or I wouldn't have been around much longer. Yeah. Let's just say that. I came back I'm to Virginia, sure. got my life together as 
as much yeah. as I can, right, Jared? But <laughs> and now I got this podcast going, and and I, I love this podcast and stuff because you know it's funny because now you know Ben Jordan said it last episode. He said I can talk, <laughs> I can do all that. I don't have to yeah. take bumps. I don't have to worry about spots. And you know, I just got to I, I just got to come out somehow try to keep the podcast entertaining. You know, so yeah. when that goes down to it, though, part of my podcast and i've done it on the wolfie show i've done it on majority of our shows here give me back my pro wrestling is a thing we like to call the name game and i just got a simple question mr norey havoc mr eron hatchet would you like to play the name game i'd love to play the name game all right we'll be right back dj hit the music now it's time to play the Right, we are back with Eron Hatchet. We're playing the name game, and Eron, I tell you, the very first name you gotta ask, it's gotta be on there, is Mr. Jerry Jarrett. Jerry Jarrett, the guy that brought me into the business, uh, the first guy that really believed in me. I remember having my first match in in Memphis. Uh, I remember going to the back and him hugging me, telling me how proud he was of me. Uh, and, and when I came back, I actually went down with Wolfie to, to TNA and, uh, it was, um, it was just good seeing him. He's, he's always been a good, uh, proponent for Iran. He's always been a, a, someone who's always just pushed me and, 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 and wished the best for me. That's awesome. Well, you can't say Jerry without saying Jeff. So how about Jeff Jarrett? Man, Jeff is cool. I always, I, but so me and Jeff and his, his younger brother, Jason will work out. And I would mess with Jeff because I knew Jeff was juicing. And we worked out one time, and we were working back. And I think he took like a 25-pound plate and tied it to our waist. And he took two 45-pound weights, so it's 90 pounds. And he's repping out doing some pull-ups. And I looked at his brother, Jason, oh and gosh. I just gave him this smirk like, man, he's on something. <laughs> so, <laughs> now, Jeff, Jeff is cool. He's pretty laid back. He's chilled. He's uh, – um, I don't have anything bad to say about Jeff. And that's, hey, that's that's always a plus. If you don't have anything yeah. bad to say about no need to make yeah. anything up, right? I mean, so. Yeah, but, it, but then again, I mean, I wasn't at the level he was, and maybe some people that's at that level that may have some issues with him, but no, he's always been great to me. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Definitely. Well, the next guy is Jerry Lawler. I don't think, I think the one person, if I think it's a wrestling that didn't like me, it's Jerry Lawler. Wow, really? I, I don't think Jerry Lawler liked me, and I, I had my suspicions. Well, one thing is, so I wasn't a giant, so I wasn't right. someone he could beat. So it didn't sure. make sense. You know, he wants giants, so he can beat them. Uh, but I don't think he ever liked that I called him, um, uh, I just called him Jared. So sometimes okay. it's Lawler. But okay. I would call Jerry Jared Mr. Jared. Like I gave him that respect. He's the guy that, br- that brought me into the business. Yeah. He looked out for me. And so I would always just, you know, call Lolly Lawler or Jerry. I didn't call him Mr. Lawler. I would call him Mr. You know, Mr. Jerry. Uh, in fact, I remember one night in uh, Evansville, Indiana, man, he came out and he got on to me and uh, I, I want to say it was Jamie. He was like, man, how long did you guys go? And he was just berating us. I'm like, you told us to go 12 minutes. We went 11, 13 minutes, you know, whatever the case. So it was around 12. And, it, and, you know, I just got the feeling that he never liked me. But I will tell one funny story about him. 
please. We were at the we were at the Louisville Gardens, and so the way Louisville is, you got the the dressing rooms, the locker rooms downstairs, yeah. and I can't remember who came to me, but I'm in the the big locker room, and they said, "Hey, man, you got to come out and see this." And so I said, "What?" And I step outside, and there's Lawler and Macho Man Randy Seven having a conversation. They're across the hall from each other. And Lawler standing there butt naked. And I go, what? And that happened this conversation, man. I said, all right. <laughs> just go back into the locker room, man. But it, was, it was hilarious. Oh, my God. That's a lot. That is just, yeah. Yeah, the king in all his glory, let's just say. Yeah, so. and all the king and all his majesty. But he, he had no shame, man. He had no shame. You know, it's funny. I've heard stories about Dusty Rhodes like that, too. How Dusty really? would have a T-shirt on in his boots or something, be walking around just half halfway naked, man. You know? I wow. mean, Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say this. I don't want to see Jerry the King, Dusty Rhodes, or any anybody like that naked. I never do, never no. want to, don't have any desire no. for that. But mm. let's no. just say. King may be in a little bit what you call better shape than Dusty. And, yeah, you know, yeah. it's just, I don't know. I don't want to see a big fat man naked. I just don't, man. I'm sorry. I mean, again, with the disclaimer saying that I don't want to see any man naked <laughs> or really anybody oh, naked at this point. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah you definitely want to see that. But it was, uh, yeah. it was, it was, it was pretty funny. That is hilarious, man. Okay, so was Macho Man just no selling it, just talking away like nothing yeah, was going on? They're just having a regular conversation. Wow. And I'm like, I guess this is normal. Maybe they got you know, that type of relationship. I don't know. But, you know, yeah. Jerry, I found myself not looking down, okay? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about Moon Dogs? Moon dog. Okay, so I will tell you what USWA. Uh, me and Larry on the Moon Dogs, man. The funny thing is, he would smoke cigars, and so okay. I would tell him, "Say, yeah, man, I, I smoke cigars. I didn't smoke cigars. I just wanted to fit in." Sure. So we would, oh, yeah. we would sit in the locker room, and we would we would smoke cigars, sweet cigars like Swisher Sweets and Black yeah. and Mild. Yeah. And so I was like Clinton. I wouldn't inhale. <laughs> 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 Because I wanted to fit in with Larry. So, yeah, yeah man, oh, they were great. And they, when you're in the ring with them, it's hilarious because they were baby faces. And I remember they made the save, and they did the barking thing, the roof, roof. And it really scares you because you're like, hey, man, are they for real? And then right. after just being in the back with them, talking to them. But they were right. so good at their gimmick, man. It made you think that this was this was real. Yeah. Spotty man, wow! I wish I could have met him. That would have been great. Yeah, they always carried that cow femur around too. I mean, that it's a believable look and gimmick. And honestly, you know, I'm I'm glad that since there's no true original moon dog around anymore right. i'm yeah. glad nobody's really totally doing that gimmick but that's just such a cool gimmick always was and i know it means so much to memphis and the memphis fans because you yeah. know the moon dogs that i know of of course was spotty i think it was rex we would see them wrestling at wwe and stuff and yeah and, and, and spot. i think spot. Yeah, yeah spot yep and you know, to me, I just I think of I think of those, but I know that they really made their name and and really became what they were because of Memphis. So yeah, so so cool. And of course, Larry Latham and Wayne Ferris and and that tag team and stuff. So the Blonde Bombers. All right, we mentioned him earlier, and he's uh 
there's probably many words been said about this guy, but just give us a few about Jamie Dundee. Jamie Dundee, man. My best match ever is with Jamie Dundee. Uh, I think our first match, we got in the back and we hugged each other for about five to seven minutes. It was it was that good of a match. And for whatever reason, man, when me and Jamie worked, for whatever reason, Jamie clicked with me. That I think I had my my better self as far as in the ring or working with with Jamie. Now Jamie, Jamie. Yeah. So you got to you got to kind of take the good with the bad. And uh, when you be around Jamie, like I said, he, he's usually going a hundred. But when you settle down, he's a great guy. But I will tell you one time that he made Tom Burton mad. He was <laughs> it was a it was a match. It was, they were on top. They were they were last. It was their main event, and uh, Jamie was late. I mean, it was like. 8.30 when he showed up. And yeah. so he said, um, he said, man, I I was running late and I stopped at the, to McDonald's and got these cheeseburgers. So Tom was upset. And Tom yeah. Tom is a shooter. And Sean was like, I'm going to blow him up. Sure yeah. enough, man, he blows him up and, and they get to the back and Jamie immediately throws up all those cheeseburgers and it just smelled <laughs> like rancid Cheetos. Oh, it was probably man. the worst smell I've ever smelled in my life. But it was funny. It was funny. I can't but imagine. And I'll tell you one other story about Jamie. I kind of hate to to say this because I don't want to say anything ill as far as, you know, Jamie and, and, and things that he's done. But I have to say this story because it goes to my my because I was very naive. And uh, I remember one night uh, he was there and he said, yeah, man, I was up to like. 12, 1 o'clock doing bumps. And I go, man, where were you wrestling that you were taking bumps at 12, 1 o'clock? And he, and he put his hand on my shoulder. He goes, Eron, I was oh. doing cocaine. <laughs> yeah. I could just see the uh, face he was making too. Like, Eron, yeah. Eron. And I can't oh, imagine man. Tom Burton and Jamie's voice going at each other too. Going at, it's, hey, hey. Yeah, he was <laughs> oh man oh man oh man okay this next one on the list so i'm gonna do a little bit of an impersonation but please no one out there don't judge me on this okay so recently on the wolfie d show we had the legendary reggie be fine on the show and uh-huh. reggie's another one that you know like jamie jamie's reggie reggie's right okay yeah. and we're not going to tell any new stories about reggie that haven't been told a million times but okay. reggie says this he's like i think a lot of this woman but I never did like her because she only liked white boys. And that is oh, Miss he's Texas. talking about Jackie. <laughs> I already know that. <laughs> yeah. He's so talking Miss about Texas. Miss Texas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so let me can I talk about Jackie? Oh, please. Yeah. That's okay, who I so Jackie yeah. and I were Jackie and I were close. She was like a big sister to me. We always rode together because she didn't drive. She didn't and I can't remember the reason why. It's like she didn't want to drive. It was it was a you know the thing that she didn't want to drive. Yeah. So we always rode together, man. And she would always get, we would stop at McDonald's before we would go to the show. And she would always get the exact same thing. She would get a Big Mac, a large coffee, and fries every okay. single time. She wow. never deviated from it. But when I first met her, uh, I thought I, was, I wasn't I was going to like her. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, I just I couldn't be more wrong yeah. when you meet her. Yeah. And she was just, uh, yeah, she was, she was my big sister. Okay. And I remember one time we, uh, so we had TV on, on Saturday and it was like on Wednesday, we were going to be in Evansville and before, 
So we was in Louisville, we was going to Evansville, but we went to like shopping beforehand. And so this was like 1993, 94, and they didn't really have like divas back then. Right. But we right. stopped to go shopping and she got this tight dress. And she goes, you know, we think about this dress. I said, Jackie, they're not going to let you wear it on TV uh, Saturday. And again, <laughs> this is before they had the divas and all this stuff. Right. Right. Man, she wore it on TV that Saturday. I was like, I cannot believe they let you wear that dress. But yeah, <laughs> now Jackie's wonderful, man. It's, it's, she is uh, definitely one of my favorite people. Yeah, I think honestly, you know, if you're thinking about the, you know, we talked about the men's and and all, all too often the men get brought up as a Mount yeah. Rushmore and that kind of thing. And, you know, you bring up the Mount Rushmore of this, the Mount Rushmore of that. If, if you have a women's Mount Rushmore, you've already named like two of the Mount Rushmore women, you know, honestly. Yeah. And Miss Jackie and and yep. Scary Sherry Sherry Martell, you know we can argue about the other two all day long. It doesn't really matter. But when it comes down yeah. to it, you got to put those two on that list because Absolutely. she she was great then, but then she turned into even more when she got into yeah. you know WWF. W, I mean all all the stuff that she did. She was so good and so talented and just really just there was no joke as to why she was no. there. It was obvious, you know. So she's very humble. She's, yeah. She is just the sweetest person in the back. You can tell that. You can just tell that she's a, just a good person. So, yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, that was Miss J. It wasn't a Reggie B. Fine. He wasn't on the list. It was Miss Texas. So you got it right. It, uh, <laughs> yeah, when you said because why he didn't like her... I knew you were talking. <laughs> well, he didn't it, say it no. that way exactly, but I was I was kind of paraphrasing what he said, yeah. let's just say. And he yeah. said he said she never would uh you know what I'm saying. Anyway. He was jealous. He was just jealous. <laughs> <laughs> hey Randy yeah. was cool, man. Randy was a he was a cool dude, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's he's I didn't I haven't known him long, but he calls me Jimmy Kimmel. And, uh, you know, what's even cooler, man, is he's coming out with a podcast soon with my buddy Gene Jackson. And Uh, I'll I'll pat myself a little bit on the back. I actually helped put that together just a little bit. Gene Gene took the ball. I'm excited because Gene's one of the OG podcasters. He's been doing it since they were doing it, like in 2008 and stuff. And, you know, Reggie was like, Jimmy Kimmel, I want a podcast. I want to write a book. And I'm like, I got a guy that can do a podcast. I, I can't help you write a book, but I know somebody that will do a podcast with you for sure yeah. i'm happy okay. to say it's going to be called real talk with reggie be fine coming soon y'all look okay. out be excited okay all right the next That's guy the- yeah very cool and gene gene's awesome he'll be great at it can I, and can i say one i'm gonna say one thing because yeah please just a female rushmore there is one person i'm gonna put on a female rushmore because she was a personal uh favorite of mine and, and probably my favorite person in all of wrestling and that's christine jarrett and oh. I gotta, I gotta tell oh, why. Because everybody was gonna, like, you know, what was the connection between you two? So I got to start with them because I knew her nephew. Yeah. But here's where she she became my my favorite person was uh, one week I took Billy Travis somewhere, and she found out about it the next week. And I remember I came to the match and she said, "Hey, you run, go put your bags down. I need to talk to you." So I put my bag down. And she takes me to this room, and so Corsica Joe and his wife used to work there and then they would count the money and it's like thousands of dollars just sitting on this table. It's like four people in this room and she has all these people leave the room and it's just me and her and the money. And she lays into me and she basically says, Hey, you need to decide right now who you need to be associated with in this business because there are people that are going to bring you down. Wow. And it's just people that, that, that will, 
try to uh, talk to you as if they're better than you because they've done things and, and it's, but she was just, she talked to me because she cared about me and she wanted to see me succeed. And so and it's just like a mother or grandmother getting on to you like, Hey, don't do this. And it's because I love you. I care about you. And right. from that day on, I, she became my favorite person in wrestling. She's not a wrestler. Yeah. She was always, for every match, she always, you know, at the fairgrounds, she was there to, to uh, say, hey, man, I, just, I love your match. I'm so proud of you and what you're doing. And you know what's crazy about that? If I'm not mistaken, she took the tickets at the at the sports arena, right? She was the ticket taker for a while. Well, she would, no, she, well, actually, Corsica Joe's wife, I can't remember her name. She would take the tickets and somebody noticed that. But okay. She greeted everybody. She gotcha. was That's like a it. greeter. She greeted everybody coming in. Wow, it's like a it's like church or, or Walmart, yeah, you know. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. like church and Walmart. You're always gonna have a good greeter there. So yep. yeah, that's funny. That's awesome. Well, if you're gonna get greeted to the show, I mean that's you know, it, to veer off a little bit, you brought it up. I'll I'll step away from the name game. How was it working at the fairgrounds, man? How did you enjoy it? Oh that? man. The only yeah. thing I didn't like about the fairgrounds for somebody like me was the ropes. <laughs> because they had these old ropes that had like uh like hose, like like water hose. Yeah. And so when you have to do stuff off the ropes like me and I'm doing jumping and things like that, it made it hard. But working at the fairgrounds, man, it was it was for someone who grew up in Nashville, it was a dream. Oh, so, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, and then and, and my like I said earlier, my time there was really good timing and luck that when I was with uh, the Jarrett's is when they had to deal with WWF and they're sending all these guys down, Macho Man, The Undertaker, um, Lex Luger, this big boss man. I mean, Lex Luger, Yokozuna, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they sent uh, Shawn Michaels down. Uh, X Pac. I remember X Pac. I was I told him a spot that Brian wanted to do. I told Brian a spot that X Pac told me, asking him to tell him to do. And he was like, "Man, I can't do this. Who you think I am, PG thirteen? And I thought it was hilarious. That is funny. But, <laughs> they, yeah. They, so I was lucky, man, that that I was there at that time. Uh, so the houses were always good. Um, yeah, the bleachers were out, as you say. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, because I know that was how you could tell if it was going to be a really good box office is if the bleachers were out and the if the bleachers, bleachers were, out. were and not every yep. not every place could not every promotion on after that could ever put people in the bleachers all the time. So you know, I, a lot of time. Well, yeah. One night they had to turn people away, and they said, "This is what it used to be like in the '80s," and I was like, "Wow." wow. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Man, I, I never got to work there. I, I was close, man. It was so close, but never happened. But anyway, on to the next one. And this one is, you know, an interesting one to bring up because I, I do want to hear a little bit about this. And, and if you don't want to go into all of it, that's fine. But especially about the, the big the scorpion, Pete Cannon. Oh, Pete. Yeah. So Pete was um, Pete Cannon and Camille. Uh, Wolfie's uh, mom and stepdad. They yeah. were. Um, you just you got to have people on your side, right? And yeah. they were always there for me. And when I stepped away from wrestling, when I was out, uh, they were there. I mean, yeah. every single day they were there. Uh, you just when you go through stuff and you got somebody that's there for you, that it's uh, it just speaks volumes of of their character. So Pete and Camille, man, I love I love them to death. Uh, and you know, it really, I was just, they knew me cause I didn't, of course, Pete knew me from wrestling, but they knew me as a little kid that would go hang out with, with Whoopi. So yeah. go to the house sometimes, yeah. but, um, yeah, I, I can't speak enough for, 
for both of them. Uh, so yeah. when I see one, when I say one, I got to say the other because they both were there and they treated me like family. Yeah, Mama D, love it. Yeah, yeah, Mama D, yeah. Did you ever Mama work, D, Pete, at all? Uh, one time, man, it was a it was a uh, a battle royal, and I remember saying, "Hey, Pete, I'm ready to go." He goes, "All right, take this big clothesline." And I did like this big 360 clothesline for him, and he pinned me real quick, and I got out. And that was the only time I worked with him. Gotcha. Yeah, Kroll and, and Rick Reynolds both had great stories about Pete for sure. So yeah, yeah. In, in different perspectives, but it was it was cool to see. How about Dutch Mantel? Dutch Mantel, dirty Dutch. Um, I got a good story with Dutch. We were up in Cincinnati and we were in the locker room and Dutch always had this whip, you know, as part of his gimmick. He mm. goes, Hey Yaron, hold this hold this this phone book. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you how to crack the whip, crack it in half, and I go Dutch, I'm not holding this phone book. And he goes, no, bro, I won't hit you. I won't touch you. I said, no, nah, Dutch, I'm not I'm not holding this phone book. And Tony goes, I'll hold the phone book. So Tony grabs the phone book, and he's holding it, and Dutch cracks the whip and literally cracks the phone book in half. Yeah. And so everybody's impressed, and I go, and you wanted me to hold that? So it was just, everybody just bust out laughing. So I used to ride, and sometimes with uh, me and Jackie, we would ride with Dutch, the three of us. Yeah. Um, another guy that was pretty, pretty laid back with me. Uh, so yeah, Dutch was good to be around. Yeah. Dutch, I got to manage Dutch a couple times and I'll no, I, I, I got to manage against Dutch once. And then I managed Dutch a second time, I guess, because he said I was worth a damn. So, <laughs> but, but do you remember me doing the Omar gimmick at all yeah. before I yeah. did Jimmy? Okay. I didn't know if I, I had done that around I you. Or not. Okay. So I'm doing that gimmick and he looks at me, I put, he didn't see me cause I didn't always wear the, the, uh, a gall as they call it, the whole deal and until it was time to go because a lot of times it gave me a little bit of in, incognito you know that kind of thing and so I put all that on and then I would go out there and I'd be a different guy so when it comes down to it I put all that on and Dutch is looking at me and we're at some spot sh- well I say spot show <laughs> we're at a spot show for Porter was just he paid you to go to this one we're working yeah. somewhere maybe in Kentucky I can't remember and Dutch looks me up and he looks me down he looks me up he looks me down he's like <laughs> scratching his chin he said he said kid kid you're all right you're all right but uh, that that gimmick ain't working <laughs> and really? I said, yeah and i said what do you mean dutch and he was like you're not you know it doesn't look right on you and i said okay okay i respect that and so that was kind of the start of the process now kroll actually made this decision and took it off of me which actually was yeah. a heavy thing for me at the time but it really worked but and then I managed him against Lawler in a, in another show in Kentucky. And I actually helped him to the car, carried his bag for him, did, you know, kind of the, the rookie type stuff for him. And he, I was still doing the Omar gimmick. The coolest thing was in the match. And I know it was a rib on me, but he igged me probably 15 oh. times. I'm, I'm really? not kidding. He would just, he would get in a lockup with Lawler, Iggy, Iggy, and I would <laughs> jump up on the ropes, distract the ref, and they would do a little something. The two things that are the greatest things that night, though, is I end up turning heel on Dutch, and yeah. again, he and Lawler run me off. And so I took a punch from Lawler, which is the greatest punch yeah. in all of wrestling let's just be honest I'll, I'll bring that. Yeah. yeah. And, and the second thing is i took a bullwhip shot from dutch oh, now really? he didn't 
he didn't actually touch me with it. it yeah. uh, he didn't even touch. He cracked it. And he said, now, kid, when I do this, you're going to have to run like you're, you're a scalded dog. And I did. And I remembered the first time we worked together, he chewed somebody out who just like did a bump and laid there when he's cracking that whip. He was like, if I had somebody with a whip on me, I would be running like I robbed a bank. Yeah. He's like, yeah. why, why did you just lay there? And I was, I was just glad it wasn't me that he was chewing out. But the second time he cracks that whip on me and I'm out of that ring like nobody's business because Lawler had knocked me out technically. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then I, he cracks that whip and I'm out of there. So the, the whip crack woke me up basically. And I run <laughs> out of there, you know, holding my head and holding my butt and everything. And that was that I was like, you know, all the stuff that, you know, I felt like I'd earned with Porter that night. I think he paid me back in full because it wasn't much man. longer. I worked for him and Bert, but when it came down to it, man, I was like, holy crap. And they came to me that night and they were like, are you, you know, you want to manage Dutch tonight? And I'm like, yes, I'll manage Dutch. Any who's he working? Jerry Lawler. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. I said, are you sure that I'm ready for this? Just being real, you know? And, and they were like, oh, you'll be yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll never forget those 15 Iggies, because if you think about it, on a regular size ring, and I'm not talking about the USWO, you know, the, saw rings, the, the regular apron, like stepping, up, yeah, to, yeah, stepping yeah. up on the apron, stepping down, yep. stepping up, it was a bit of a task. And he's yeah. Iggy me 20 times, and it was hilarious. I know it had to be a rib, because if not, I mean, there's no reason to Iggy somebody 20 times. And no, yeah, no, it was hilarious. Yeah, and it's fine because it was hilarious. But that match, I paid it off because I took a punch from Lawler, you know, and he slaps yeah. his ribs, and, it, and he didn't even—I mean, it barely touched me. It was just so beautiful. And yeah. Anyway, sorry, I've took over your show. No, man. no, 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 no. <laughs> it, it, man, uh, Dutch is great. Dutch is great. Yeah, yeah. The next one on the list, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump off this. Ed. The next one on the list, I got to bring up is Reno Riggins. Reno. Yeah, man, my first pair of boots I bought from Reno. <laughs> wow! Because <laughs> I I used to do the shooter the, the shooter gimmick, you know, and I had the kick pads and the shooter boots because it was just easy for me to jump around. But yeah, now Reno, so Reno goes back till. 1993, 1992, I think, when I first met Reno. Yeah. And I remember, I remember one time with uh, USWA, I saw he was doing this. Um, it was a tattoo gimmick. It was a Japanese gimmick, and he was working. I want to say it was Tatanka they sent down. Okay. And I saw him do a a spot that I stole and I use to this day, and it was one of the greatest spots to me at the time I hadn't seen before. So I used to steal stuff from Reno. It was like, man, when you see something good, you got to steal it. <laughs> so right, I just right. Steal gimmick from Reno. <laughs> yeah, Reno's bad. And he's real easy to to get along with, and and he's great in the back. Uh, he has a, a lot of knowledge of what's going on, and he's been everywhere. Yeah, literally everywhere, and worked everyone. Yep. Ric Flair, he did the bill to Ric Flair. Yeah, so he took anyway. the yeah, yeah, and so Reno's awesome, man. I I've learned a lot from Reno, and we're gonna have him on the show soon. So can't oh. wait to talk to him. He's he's a great interview and a great guy. Yeah. The next one is on on the list here, and we did talk about Tim a lot during you know mm -hmm. talking about the hero killers. But the one guy we didn't really bring up as much, and I would love to hear a little bit more is is about Devon Day. Devon Day, yeah, man, I love Devon to death. So. Devon, like I said, when I did the Hero Killers, I called him first draft choice. He was the guy that I wanted with me. He was going to be the right-hand man. 
Uh, I, I remember one time he was doing a promo and I was on the other side of the wall and, and it was, it was someone talking. I can't remember what it was. And he just goes enough. And I remember I perked up and started listening and he did one of his, the greatest promo I've heard him, him done. So Devon and when Devon passed, man, it was, it was hurtful. Yeah. I would say, yeah. uh, and especially, you know, for a while, because, because I got out of wrestling. I remember I hadn't seen Devon probably for about three years. And of all places, I was in Santa Claus, Indiana at, uh, at holiday world. And I hear somebody scream my name around and I turn around and it's Devon. And when I say, man, we hooked each other just because we hadn't seen each other so, so long, but, uh, yeah, it hurt me when, when Devon passed away and, and, one thing I will say Devon did, and I love this, was I was I, something was getting advertised for a match somewhere out of state, and I saw it, and I called Tim Ernesto and said, hey, man, why did they say the Hero Killers were supposed to be there? He goes, hey, man, that's Devon. So he had took the Hero Killers, and he was branching it out. And I said, you know what? I'm cool with that. <laughs> so he had that's to awesome. the Hero Killers away from this area and started moving around, but yeah, that's my guy. Made a franchise of it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. How about um, this guy? When we had him on the podcast, he needed uh, he needed us to say nothing. Hot Rod Biggs. Hot Rod Biggs. Uh, <laughs> we ain't jerking the curtain. <laughs> we still in the show. Yeah. Man, Hot Rod is one of those. I love his promos. Uh, and when he became an announcer, he always put over Norway. He, it, yeah. Hot Rod is man. I tell you what. I tell you, Hot Rod used to do my taxes. Yeah. So that's how much I trusted Hot Rod. Amen. He did mine too. Yeah. So. Yeah. And he did a good job. He did. So, I got a great refund that year. So I was happy. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Hot Rod is great, man. I love I love Rod and I love, you know, how he's overcome overcome some things uh, in yeah. his life. So it, he's great to be around. I will say one time I thought he was going to kill me. Uh, it was a. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was a it was a three way match with me, him, and Slacker J. And Slacker J had me down for the pin, and I just happened to look up and Slack and and Hot Rod is coming off of the top rope on top of both of us, and it was like it was in slow motion, and my body just go, this is going to hurt, and it yeah. did. Oh, mm-hmm. I was like, listen, let me roll out, <laughs> y'all do something for a minute, but yeah, Hot Rod's my guy too. He's great. Hot Rod's so good. And honestly, I feel like, you know, he's a great wrestler. I'm not knocking him for that. But I feel like it had managers. I feel like he could have gone to the top. And I mean, seriously, to the yeah. top as a manager. And I again, I don't mean it in a perspective of him not being a wrestler because he was an awesome wrestler, super great at the ultraviolet stuff. I mean, he really could yeah. do a lot of great stuff. But I could have just seen him being the mouthpiece for some of the best of all time. He would have been really yeah. good at that, you know. He had a great, great promo, great interview. Loved and I loved his tagline. Oh yeah, loved his tagline. The whistle, the stop sign, the tennis racket, yeah. whatever. You know, you, it's funny you brought up Chris Kearns earlier as far as when your earlier matches there, and we're actually having Chris on the next episode, so I'm I'm excited about that. So we'll have well, some. You fun bring you bring it up to Chris that uh, he had one of my my top top three wrestling matches, and it was my first match. I will. I definitely will. It's on the notepad already. So <laughs> all right, how about? Another former guest of the show, Hammerjack. Hammerjack, Kenny. <laughs> Let me tell you. So Kenny, again, one of my good friends. Uh, love Kenny. Uh, the only thing, and I mess with him all the time when I tell him this. I say, <laughs> hey man, 
work and you sometimes like working a dead mule. <laughs> oh my God. Go. <laughs> you want him to go. Man, I'll grab Kenny by the head at the back of the head. And I'll try to take him somewhere and he's fighting me. I'm like, Kenny, why are you fighting me like this? Yeah, but, man, Kenny, Kenny, my buddy, man. Kenny's my buddy. I love seeing Kenny. We don't see each other uh, enough, I think. Um, so yeah, he's uh, he's he's actually when you work him, he's not that bad. Just every once in a while, he gets a little. He gets well. I, I don't go over that. I want to go over that way. You got to kind of come on, Kenny. Come this way. This is easy. But yeah, yeah. Kenny's my buddy. Yeah, it's funny when, when, you know, I have certain moments of, you know, when you win someone over, and I don't want to say I like won all these people over as far as people that actually start to give you the time of day. And some of them were like you and were nice from the start. Others never gave me the time of day. And it's okay. I, I'm not, I, I'm fine with that. But Kenny, one night, he, it was after Saw show, and he said, Hey, Jimmy, you want to come to my house? We're throwing a little party. I said, yeah. Yes, I will. And I, I knew that that was a bit of an olive branch. And then when I get there and we're drinking some beverages and he brings out some some of of the the white lightning let's just say mm -hmm. and yeah. it was in a big mason jar and we're kind of passing it around and I, he sees the way that i'm drinking it and he's like and he sees then about an hour or two hours later that I'm not slobbering all over myself. And I think he <laughs> that gave him an extra respect for me. And I, he doesn't understand that that is in my Appalachian blood. <laughs> and so it was not a big deal for me to have to put down some of that. And, and a good portion of it was gone and he respected me for it, I think. So okay. we'll just... We'll just go with that. I, I won't say I did the Kurt Hennig gurgle and swallow, but I was drinking it pretty good. <laughs> but anyway, that was funny. Yeah. to get along with, man. I, I've never seen anybody just have any problems with Kenny. Yeah, he's definitely not. I mean, he's he's honestly verbally smacked me around a few times, and Has not he really? anything. Oh yeah, it was about the way I was living my life, man. He he was okay. calling me out on that. I wrecked my car. Okay. I'd, I'd you know some things that, like I said, my life was not going in a good spot, and uh, he would pick me up to you know yeah. I was down. I didn't have a car. He would pick me up to bring me to Saw to work, and I oh, would be awesome. there. Yeah. And 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 because of him or Jeremiah Plunkett, I'll always yeah. give them credit, and they both have big places in my heart because of it yeah. but he would constantly you know say to me like man you got to outgrow that stuff and you got to grow up you got to outgrow yeah. that and i'll be like how yeah. do you do it how do you grow up and he's like you just do it <laughs> and it was but it i knew what he meant it wasn't like i just took his advice and ran with it per se but the verbal smackdowns were good for me and I needed them and I'll always hold him in high regard. He was one of the first real guests we've had on the show as far as, you know, somebody from my past from that, yeah. from that scene. So it was good to have him on and very appreciated of him. And again, I, I, I he may not even remember telling me those things, but I'll remember him saying it, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, Kenny, so. You know, just on his work side, Kenny's got to work some really good people. So he's, yeah. he's got things and go around. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. He grew up kind of rough too. He had, he had Baltimore, you know, which everybody knows Baltimore is not a place to trifle with, you know? So yeah. Yeah. anyway. All right. This guy, we owe a lot to this guy. He's a, uh, if we ever get anybody else on payroll, it's going to be this guy, <laughs> Shane Morton. If we ever get us on payroll, <laughs> let's just say that. Yeah, anyway, okay. Just kidding. You know, so Shane, let me tell you, Shane, I love Shane. Uh, about a year or so ago, because he has these reunions that he does. Oh, and yeah. I couldn't make one, and he called me up and said, hey, man, I want to let you know 
you won this award that everybody voted for, and it was uh, the Heat Magnet Award. I have it in my office now, uh, and it's and it's voted on uh, someone who can get true heat, and it was voted on by the guys, and Shane set that up. And man, let me tell you, Shane. The funny thing about Shane. I've never stiffed anybody like in the ring. I'm pretty easy and like to work with, but there's yeah. a belt they have that has, it has like an Eagle on the top. Yeah. And I would hit him with that belt. And every single time I would stiff him with it. And he was like, man, you got to stop hitting me. <laughs> like, I'm saying, I'm so <laughs> buddy. I am so sorry. But uh, yeah. And Shane, when I came back, Shane was the one to say, hey, man, I want you to, I want you to come here. I want you to be my champion. I want you to do this. Uh, so yeah, Shane and even Bubba, Bubba was cool too. Oh, uh, but Shane is the one that I've worked a lot for. And, um, and for whatever reason, man, I, I think if I was to, and just to kind of talk about Bubba, I think if I was to like pat myself on the back for anything, cause Bubba would get sometimes to where he didn't want to work, but whenever he worked me, he brought it all out. That's and awesome. so we had some really good matches. Uh, but yeah, Shane was, Shane was the the guy that, that really, when I came back in, other than Quill, uh, that wanted to see me do some things. Yeah, yeah. Well, you brought him up, so let's finish with the one I wanted to finish with, and that is Mr. Okay. Kroll. Go ahead. Mr. Kroll. My, yeah. So yeah, he is, you know, we got we got to be friends uh, when we both were in the Jarrett camp. Uh, we're still good friends to this day. When uh, him, it was him, Jim Dotson, and Leon Downs that I went to the Jarrett's and said, "Hey, man, I think these are guys. These guys are ready. Uh, you need to do something with them." And I remember uh, taking Crawl around, like he wanted to get some more experience. I took him around the Outlaw shows to get some more experience. Man, he he moves for a big guy, and we used to do this spot where uh, I, you know, I was a heel, he was a baby face, and he's he's a very large man. I don't think people realize how large he Mm-mm. is. Or how well he moves. Yeah. He do a spot where he would shoot me off the ropes, and I would do a baseball slide under him. And when yeah. he turned around, he would get up great, and I would body slam him. And then I would do a celebration thing. I'd pump my chest, and I'd go back to him, and he would do like this big gorilla press slam on me. But mm-hmm. he would get up so light, you wouldn't, you know, it's just like me picking up a two hundred pounder. He would get up that light. So to be as large as he is, and to get up that e that easily, that he would get up for me. Uh, and he always made me look good. He always looked out for me. He always wanted me to be his champion. I would say, Crow, I don't want to be a champion because I don't want to be here too late. But he would always put <laughs> <take> me over. <laughs> so yeah, Crow is like I said, he was the best man at my wedding. He makes a joke and he goes, "Oh, you just had me there to take pictures." Like, no, man. Of all people, I wanted you here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I love Timmy to death. I w- and I would say, if I were to say my best friends in wrestling, I was going to be called. And then, we, of course, we mentioned Wolfie earlier. Wolfie and I were, have been always been tight since the, the early 90s. Uh, but, yeah, Carl, like I said, best friend at, at my wedding, best friend at my wedding. He's always been there for me. Uh, he's always lived out for both Iran and Nori. Yeah. I mean, you were tight with Wolfie unless Frank and Jeff were gassing you up, right? Let me tell you. So, no, I'm just Brian kidding. Christmas, man, the next week, he goes, how are you guys fighting last week and your best friends again this yeah. week? Like, yeah. It's yeah. over. He's, <laughs> so, he's told that story, too. That's so that's so funny. Yeah. How y'all hate each other and love each other the next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Weird, man. I mean, when you're friends, you, you get over that stuff. It was gone, and we were you know, right. back mid-90s. 
Right. Sometimes if you're really friends, that's what you need. Sometimes you need to blow off yeah. some steam every once in a while, and that's what happens, you know. But well, yeah. didn't, you know, he never like he wasn't upset with me. I wasn't upset with him. Right. So yeah. <laughs> and I can't funny. handle it now. They can't handle, you know, it's a different era. In my day, if you got into a fight, you got into a fight and it was over with. You know, yeah. guys that you have a beer and, and it's done with and, and guys aren't like that now. They take it too far. Yeah, that's true, man. You take it too serious and CM Punk yourself out and you have a job, yeah. you know? So <laughs> anyway, that's about all the new stuff we'll be talking about today, kids. So that is it for the name game, Iran Hatchet. You did it, man. You passed with flying right. colors. I knew you would. So after the name game, we always wrap things up just before we're, we're saying our goodbyes. We wrap things up with one question from Jared, the plastic sheet. Go ahead, Jared. Okay. So I know you uh, you mentioned earlier that you know you feel like it's one of your you know best matches ever was against with, with Jamie. Uh, okay. Would you consider that your favorite match ever? Um, you know I think I would, man. It just because for whatever reason it it clicked. Uh, like it just me and Jamie from we just clicked together. I mean it's it's the only other time I would say I enjoy. Uh, the only other person I just really enjoy working is Chris Michaels. Uh, yeah, Chris Michaels man. Is probably one of the most underrated workers around. Um, and uh, we've had a series of matches that that uh, that I love doing with Chris. Uh, again, Chris is one of those that's better than me, but he makes you look good. Uh, I wish Chris as much as success as he could possibly have. He should have had more and where yeah. he should have been. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I would say you know my best match is definitely with with Jamie. My some of my favorite matches are with Chris Michaels. Yeah, I'll quote Chase Stevens in saying that I've tried to have a bad match with Chris and couldn't do it. So that yeah. says a lot, yeah. you know. And you know that's just huge, man. I I love Chris. Chris was actually I, you know Plunky was our very first guest. We've had other guests, Magnum, TA, Greg Gagne, crazy names for the kind of podcast we've been doing. But, uh, you know, Chris was one of our first that really went in depth. I wanted to do as much of a deep dive on his career as we did with yours today, you know, and so we could have gone on hours more as we could with you. But I just, you know, the one thing I want to wrap up with is most wrestlers during their career, they dabble with things that make them fly high. You, however have chosen a different way to fly high. Why don't you let everybody know what you're doing now, especially since COVID? Yeah, man, I am a private pilot. So I fly planes. Uh, I think I wake up in the morning, think about flying. I go to bed at night, think about flying. It's, That's awesome. You know, some people like to fish, and it's a relaxing form for me. It's, it's getting up in the air and just going on what we call a cross-country flight. Uh, Dude, you know, it's challenging. It's a trip. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is, man, you lose more brain power than, than you, you know, you sometimes tire. Right. Uh, just for the amount of brain power. But yeah, oh, I love flying. I'm, I'm an awesome. airplane guy. I won't consider it similar to editing a podcast, but sometimes I would say they're kind of similar, you know, because brain tired is definitely, you know, something there. But so I guess, is that something you always wanted to do and you just pulled the trigger or did you, did you just say, Hey, I've always been into, to flying and about four years ago or so, uh, my wife, who's always been encouraging and she's like, Hey, just do it. Why don't you just do it? So yeah. once I got the green light, man, it was it was a go from there. Yeah, wifey says it's okay. It's time to do it, right? It's time to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where have you flown to? Just being nosy. 
No, no, no. So if you do local flights, you know, so in Australia, Cessna 172, uh, yeah. LA fly. Usually you go and you rate it by uh, not necessarily in miles, but how long you're flying. I'll fly for an hour, hour and a half, uh, come awesome. back. So you go, you know, I'll do mostly some stuff up to Kentucky and then I'll go south. I hadn't done a whole lot of going east, going into the mountains. Only because things like that, you want to be uh, certified to fly in it, but you want to be proficient. Uh, yeah. We use that word a lot to find as being proficient. And flying in the mountains is a little bit different because gotcha. it's the elevation tire and the, the way the engine works is different. Yeah, I can tell you growing up in the mountains like Jared and I did, we're from, like I said, the Appalachian part of Virginia in in southwestern part of Virginia. You know, it's we've heard of several, I think at least two I know of, of airplane crashes in that area. And, you know, it was in those mountains, man, you know, and they they must not be anything to play with as far as flying because it was, you know, yeah. I remember it happening very young when we were a kid. We heard about one in there, you know just crazy to think about but anyway i don't want to put that in a negative light you know what i'm saying no, no. yeah man yeah. i love that that is uh that is definitely my jam that is awesome dude so are you going to use maybe a garvin name now i think jimmy garvin and ronnie garvin <laughs> both are pilots so you could be oh, really Nora, Ron yeah ronnie and man. jimmy are both Nora garvin maybe or E-Ron and i garvin. love ronnie garvin man that was yeah. uh behind his own I didn't oh, know yeah. it was a pilot. I didn't know that at yeah. all. Yeah. Well, it's not as well known as the Jimmy Garvin, but yeah, Ronnie is as well. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay. Wolfie and I interviewed him, and we had George Weingroff and him on together, which was a trip, man. You know. Yeah. So yeah. Speaking of George, I I, I want to bring it up because I did you ever know him at all, or did you work with yeah. him much? Oh, yeah. absolutely. I've worked with George several times. I actually knew George from amateur wrestling. I was going to say he yeah. would he would help coach at Franklin. And so I knew him and he, well, he knew me from amateur wrestling when I got into pro wrestling. Yeah. So yeah, no, I do George well. And he's the real deal too, right? Yeah. He, he's the real deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is there, yeah. Is it, would you, I mean, okay, let's just say putting you against him in a magical world where you're both in your prime, who are you picking? Yeah. I'm going to pick George for one thing. He's, he's bigger and heavier than me. And the era that he learned to to shoot wrestle is is more um, physical probably than the, the way I I did. And plus, yeah. he, was a, he was a better mat wrestler than I was. I was a takedown guy. Gotcha. I was the one, you know. I, my senior year, I, I set the record for takedowns. So shocking uh, all kind flaw, of thing. Yeah, yeah, and if I had a, you know, my flaw was was I wasn't as good on the mat, and he could wrestle on the mat. Yeah. I mean, he went to Japan and wrestled that Pancrase style in his 40s. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I can't, I don't even like walking up the steps sometimes, man. And he's man, doing that in yeah. his 40s. You know what I mean? So I don't just, know how guys do it now. I don't know how, at our age, the guys are still doing it. I don't know how they do it. Yeah, it's surprising. But, you know, to get to know George just from the podcast stuff, man, has been a blessing because, dude, he's just knows so much. He knows where the body. I always joke that Kroll's one of the guys that knows where the bodies are buried. I think I know George knows where they're buried, too, but sometimes maybe it's because he put them there. But I don't know. (laughs) But. He, yeah. He's just got such a great story where he was legally blind, and I mean, he, yeah. you know, wins the. He looks win- on one side of the head. You when you talk to him, he's, he's on one side of the head. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you who else is, is Tony Falk knows where the bodies are too. 
Oh, but he ain't talking about it, though. That's the thing. He'll tell no, you in, in secrecy, but he's not. I got him on one podcast, and it took probably six months to get him on the phone. And he's just a kayfaber, man. Love him to yeah. death. I think the he's world okay. of Tony. He's but awesome. he's He's great. Great interview. I want to have him on this show too. I want to have, I've got another show I'm putting together called Stories from Across the Street, where it's just going to be like long form story. It's like one big long story. I want to get Tony on that because I know he could do about a million of those. So, I think Tony Falk is is that type of guy, you know, like in Hollywood, they've got the, um, what is it, six degrees of Kevin Bacon? Yes. Yes. You could do that with Tony Falk in wrestling. But it's almost not six. It's almost like two or three. It's yeah, so yeah, that's one, that's one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's 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 you're exactly right. You, you're exactly almost like Wolfie's like six degrees. Wolfie's you know, yeah. But Tony's like one degree. You know, it's just funny. But Eron, man, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on here, man. I tell you, it's been one from the start. I I wanted you on one of my podcasts, and we didn't work one out. But I knew as soon as the word was, hey, I'm doing it. So as soon as I got the rights to put you on my show. <laughs> I was taking it. So the, I had to wait till the licensing agreement ran out on the Wolfie D podcast. <laughs> and then I took you on mine. Because I was like, well, second. Blast, man. Yeah, man. And well, we always ask this before we wrap things up. Do you have anybody you'd like to say shout outs to? Thank yous. I know we've talked about everybody under the sun, but anybody that maybe you didn't talk about, you'd like to say a shout out to or. Thank, thank you. Well, I'm going to thank you and Jared. I'm going to thank Wolfie. Uh, of course, my wife and my two girls, uh, Aaron and Callie, who are great. Always been two good kids. Man, it's cool when you have two good kids, and I have two good kids. It's awesome. Uh, of course, I'm going to shout out to my boy, Kroll. I'm going to always shout out to him and, and Tony Falk. Uh, Tony Falk has also been uh, a good um, proponent for me. Yeah. Uh, that old yeah. no Ray. That old no Ray. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what he said. And then of course Tim Ernesto. Wherever Tim is, I can't seem to find him. But if I could find Tim Ernesto, I need to shout out to him. Yes. You find him. And then tell him to come on my podcast. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't think he will listen to you, but at the same time. If Maybe you would never have, know, man. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I I can just imagine the stories that man has. And, and I, I think he'd be one of the great podcasts we've ever had. So for sure. Yeah. Maybe we'll make that happen one day before we're old yeah. and gray. But we'll see. But but today we had Mr. Noray Havoc, Iran Hatchet. And I know we've said both names regularly, but it's because you literally had a double life basically yeah. you know yeah. you were baby and a heel and and they were both important and but just thank you man thank you so much we we greatly appreciate you being on and i can't you know we'll have to have a part two coming up in the future man so you come on back so man i appreciate you guys having me thank you thank you Eron. jerry Thanks you got on man yeah just appreciate appreciate your time man thank That's, you jerry appreciate it buddy all right. Well, you have a good evening. All right. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Eron, and we'll uh, we'll talk soon, man. All right, buddy. Thank you. Take care. Okay. All right, y'all. Thanks again, Eron. We'll be right back to wrap things up with the Plastic Sheik on Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling.
Hey everyone, this is Shane from Insane Shane's World. I release wrestling figures of enhancement talent, mid-card wrestlers, and wrestlers that you never thought would have a figure available. So if you are interested in adding a really cool and rare figure to your collection, then don't hesitate to contact me at shamtheman73 at gmail.com. That's S-H-A-M-the-man73 at gmail.com. You can also join my Facebook group. Just search Insane Shane's World. This is the big picture, Michael Jablonski. Don't forget to tune in every week to Jablonski's Pissed Off on the Mike Jablonski's Pissed Off YouTube channel. The in this sport. He's gonna tell you all about it. He doesn't care what you think. You're gonna hear all about it. Mike Jablonski. Man, Sheik, what did I tell you? What did I tell you? Man, Eron's cool, right? Hey, man, cool as the other side of the pillow. I feel like we we keep getting these interviews. They're just they're just as good as the, the one before, man. It's just always so good to uh, hear it. And you know, I thought learned some stuff and uh, good to good to get a retrospect on his career, man. Yeah, and he really did have two careers there. You know, he started out this like up and coming baby face with the very true background in, in amateur wrestling and then became the pro wrestler chosen by the Jarrett's. I mean, he really was the guy and then he takes a break and comes back a vicious villain. And, you know, I love the, the switch from Iran to Nore and, and I got to know him in Nashville and, and man, he, he was always really cool. He was one of those guys, the lo- locker room leader. He was a little more quiet though, but you could always count on his opinion coming from a correct place and very cool guy. Like I said, you know, this was one of our most excited. I mean, I think the people were the, as far as the people I've talked to, I think they were very excited to hear him on the show, to hear his story, even the ones that probably already know most of his story to actually hear it on the podcast, you know, but you know, one thing I want to say, the Ben Jordan episode from last week's doing awesome. Very excited about that. So and some good promise on YouTube as well. So thank you all for listening to YouTube and keeping us going on there. You know, just keep subscribing, keep liking, keep Keep following, keep commenting, you know, just anything you can do. We got our sheet. Yeah, we got our chic shorts on there. We got all kinds of fun stuff we're dropping all the time. So just keep an eye on our YouTube. It's definitely one of the best places you can see and, and hear our stuff. But as always, thank you for downloading the show. If you listen through it to the apps, you know, we're we're on all of them. So whatever you want to listen to it on, just please listen to it on whatever you want to. But thank you all so much just for listening. And, you know, the big thing I, I really enjoy is just I'm just thinking about all these guys we've had now, you know, like Ben and, and, and Eron now. And then next up. We got a really cool show coming up with Chris Kern. He's a former tag team partner of the Bruise Brothers with Hot Rod Biggs, but he had his own thing going, man. He actually was the third member of PG-13 for a little while. He's done a lot of fun stuff. I'm excited to have him on. I I don't know Chris. I I maybe have met him a couple times. I don't exactly remember, but I tell you what, I'm really happy. You know, we're going to get to hear his story. You know, and any guy, any friend, anybody that's respected by Hot Rod Biggs, Hey, he's cool to me, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. 
I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, he'll he'll be a good one. And we'll have fun with that. But you know, once again, I just want to say thank you all so much. You know, thank you so much for for all the support you've given us and and all the you know, we do this because you listen, right? I mean, we were doing this before you listened and it just wasn't as fun as now that everybody's listening, you know? So (laughs) more the merrier. (laughs) Yeah. More the merrier. You're welcome on at any time. You know, if you all have any questions or anybody you want to see on the show, feel free to shoot us a message. Feel free to shoot us an email at gmbmpw at gmail.com. Also, you can hit our DMs on all of the social media platforms. It's at gmbmpw. You know, one other thing. Also, if you have a business, so like if you're listening to this show, okay, and you own a business or you have something, an upcoming event, you'd like to promote or something to that effect or something you want to sell, chances are your demographic is also listening to this show. So the cool thing about it is, is we have advertising opportunities starting from the ground up. You can go from 30 second commercials to whole two minute clips, whatever you want. We can put it on there. We have different rates available covering all that. We can actually do two shows too. You can actually run your advertisement on this show and the Wolfie D podcast if you'd like. So either way, if you have something you'd like to promote, sell, or you have a business that you'd like to get more people to hear about, let us know. Again, at GMBMPW, we're always taking an open to new advertisers. We do want to thank our current advertiser, Steve Bowtie Bryant. Go buy his cards. Honestly, I can't believe those sets still are around, man. And, you know, the cool thing is, is you can get them right now. $49.99 for a set from 1993. Has Reno Riggins in it. Has Ricky Morton PG. 13, Ben Jordan, the Wild Boys, Dante Mephisto, Rick Reynolds as the medic. There's so many great names in there. You definitely want to get that. It also has the Bruise Brothers with Chris Kern and Hot Rod Biggs. So once again, if you're interested in not only advertising with us, but also getting that Unbeatables trading card set. Give us a contact. We'll put you in touch with the man if you, you know, are interested. So anyway, I'm done shilling for advertisers. I'm done promoting. I just want to <laughs> say thank you, Sheik, as always, for being my partner in this. And I'm glad we can get these wrestlers on and, and just talk pro wrestling, man. Yeah, me too, man. It's always a great time, and I, f- I feel like you enjoy more every week we do one. So, Absolutely. We do want to say a shout-out to Sheik Adnan Al Casey. He did pass away. Of course, we had Steve Rosenthal and Greg Gagne on, and we told them about your name, the Plastic Sheik. And I don't know. I think you and I just have an affinity for the Sheiks, right? Your name, you <laughs> Mild Gimmick, you know, and Iron Sheik, and Sheik Adnan. You know, it's just sad stuff. I did text back with Boris Zukov. We're going to have him, hopefully, on a podcast in the future. I don't know if it'll be this one or the live and in color. Maybe both. We'll see how it goes but maybe we can get you an action figure too chic that might be nice hey, <laughs> boris zuko that's a big one <laughs> yeah he's great great guy great guy very nice guy we've been texting back and forth that's that's awesome so anyway keep up keep listening keep following we always appreciate it thank you all so much so for the plastic chic jared street for our guest Iran Nore Havoc Hatchet. I'm Jimmy Street, and this has been Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Don't forget. Shooter. Shooter. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs>
Shoot up. <laughs> With a tear in my eye. This is the greatest moment in my life. This has been a James Rock Street production.